0: I know that you don't like to talk about your life,
1: but a guy with a freaking machete for an arm just chopped our butts in half.
0: <laughs> who are you? On September 3rd, my father trained me to be an assassin. That's not who I am. A model legend. Will
2: rise. You got this.
0: Thank you. You can't outrun your destiny. My name is Shang Chi. Shang Chi. Shang. 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 S h a n g. Shang. That's what I said. Marvel Studios, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. 3D-PG-13, in theater September 3rd. Run it!
1: Episode 395.
0: There's already like 7 million podcasts, talking about pop culture and all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a warm brad. but it's all been done before, we don't want to be a copycat. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps, drop by the...
3: It's a trap.
0: Could it cost it, 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 Do we love it? Oh, hey, let's face it, teen embrace it, let's embrace it, tough and wear party stuff. Culture spill over like a vulture carry over. Culture pushed over, pop culture, leftovers. The uncool kids. What's his day's already been said? Left over uh, sure. Only talent is the band that's singing this hot culture. Leftovers. What's a vision? They- Hello, this is Randall Park and you are listening to Pop Culture Leftovers.
4: Hey, welcome to Pop Culture Leftovers, the only podcast that sounds even better the second day after it's been uploaded. I'm Brian and I am a leftover. No Jake this week. And, uh, but uh, we are joined By a round table of guests today to talk about uh, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. Super excited to talk about this movie. And uh, let me introduce our guests for this episode. First off, we've got Joe Stark from StarkCast. Welcome,
5: Joe. Hey, I am so stoked to talk about this movie, dude. I I wonder what your rating is. It it
4: it, <laughs> it it leaves so much to the imagination right now, Joe. It, it, yeah, it, I know you are so cryptic. You're like a Christopher Nolan trailer. I have no idea what you thought about the film or what it's about, even. Yeah. So, um Rebecca Daling from Picard Cast. welcome, Rebecca.
6: I am reserving how excited I may or may not be until I get my rating.
4: That's more like it. That's more <laughs> like it. Uh, we also have uh, June from Apple to Oranges podcast. Welcome, June.
1: Hey, what's
4: up? And she's cracking open a, an alcoholic Woo! beverage, and it's it is, fucking it 10 o'clock in the I morning apologize. here. I,
1: I, it's 11. I know. You're an 11. hour
4: ahead. Eastern Eastern yeah. Standard. We get it, June. Yes.
1: <laughs> but I apologize in advance because, yes, I have been drinking already.
4: Fan. I have a problem. It's cool. It, it's, We're
1: really it's, excited to talk about this movie, though.
4: It's cool to have a problem. All yeah. right. Let's see. <laughs> we also have Shifting Tristan Brown. Welcome back, Shifting Tristan.
7: Hey, man. Thanks for inviting me. Last minute. <laughs> it's it's late it was a late invite and it's early as hell for me, but I'll be okay. <laughs> wow.
4: I'm so happy that I invited you, Tristan.
7: <laughs>
4: <laughs> like you, ungrateful motherfucker. Uh, no, I uh, got a quick announcement here. Um, there's going to be, uh, and I'm going to let everybody know early, there's going to be no new episodes of PCL on September 26th and October 3rd. I am painting my house. One of those weekends, and then the other weekend, I'm just going to take it off for personal time. And I'm going to be taking a two-week hiatus off of social media altogether because I'm sick of it right now. I am so sick of social media. I need a social media cleanse in my life, and I really just need to get it out. What
1: color are you painting your house? So what color have you decided on?
4: Uh, it's not exciting, June. I, I'm I'm gonna be going. I'm gonna be going to like the 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 hardware store, and I'm gonna be picking out a shade of gray. Okay. So I'm not gonna. It's not. I'm not Prince over here. It's not gonna be purple or anything. So.
1: Or <laughs> do you ever see that Tom Green where Tom Green's parents um like they were going out of town and they asked him to paint like their hit their house and so he painted it plaid.
4: Yeah that wasn't <laughs> that wasn't set up or scripted at all. None of that stuff. <laughs> I like it. I like the episode where he painted the the dad's car. Uh, oh, he, he painted a a nude heel. woman on the on the on the yes. hood of the of the dad's yes.
1: car. That one was a great one because he drives it down to the bus stop. Cause his dad's like, "I'm taking the bus," and he's like, "Dad, Dad, you forgot your car." <laughs>
5: <laughs> oh, that was fucking. I liked hilarious. the one where he had the sculptures put in his parents' yard. That was yes. uh, 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 Wasn't weren't they performing doggy style?
2: Yeah, and on it was, one of
5: them, and on the other one, his dad was beating his mom.
4: Yeah, it was, it was called. Titled "Where's My Where's My d- Supper?" So- yes. No, it was it was called "Where's My Dinner, Bitch."
2: <laughs> there it is. <laughs>
4: <laughs> and I believe oh, I Green. believe he's in the act of beating her with a frying pan. I'm not sure. <laughs> I
2: think
5: sounds like funny. that aged well.
4: Yeah, it totally did. It totally did. Oh, I mean, they
5: were combination fountains, also, if I remember correctly. <laughs>
4: Let's see. Here. Yeah. This week we are discussing uh, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. And uh, from here on out, uh, the episode could have spoilers for Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. This is your official spoiler warning.
0: This is a Pop Culture Leftovers spoiler warning. Today's forecast calls for spoilers straight in your hole. You have been warned. Spoiler pussies.
4: All right. Also, stick around till the end of the podcast because we're going to get into the mid and post credit scenes. You know, we're going to be like trying to answer these questions of like, why is Bruce Banner not Professor Hulk and back to his human form? Where did the rings come from? Who or what are they summoning? And what is Zhe Ling doing with the Ten Rings organization? So um, all those things we're going to be talking about. I've got theories. I want to know what you guys thought. Uh, but let's jump into this one. Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings is the 25th film of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. 25 films, guys. 25 fucking films since 2008. 25 films. It's insane. I cannot believe we are in film 25. I also want to point out that this movie was originally supposed to come out after The Eternals. I want to put this right up on Front Street at the beginning of the episode. I don't want it to confuse anybody on the podcast or anyone listening. This was actually supposed to come out after The Eternals. The Eternals' initial release was November 6th of last year, 2020. And the original release date for Shang-Chi was February 12th of this year 2021. Uh I also want to point out that this movie takes place around July of 2024. So it would be at around the same time as Spider-Man Far From Home. So Endgame takes place in 2023, so we're at least a year or so removed from the events of Endgame. And this is in the summer. I know 100%. This is summer of 2024. I'm guessing July because there is a scene in this movie where you see uh, posters in the tr- in the bus, excuse me, for a jazz festival that's taking place in August of 2024. So I'm guessing this is around July of 2024. Um, and as far as like where Eternals takes place, I, from what I can gather from the trailers, it t- takes place within the week after Endgame, but. I'm sure it's going to be bouncing into the past and all this other shit, but blah, blah, blah. Let's move on. Synopsis for Shang-Chi martial arts master. Shang-Chi confronts the past. He thought he left behind when he's drawn into the web of the mysterious 10 rings organization. It's directed by Daniel Dustin Cretton. It's written by David Callaham, Daniel destin Cretton and Andrew Lanham. And it stars Simulu as Shang-Chi. Uh, and this is a dream casting for this actor. Uh, he tweeted about wanting to be Shang-Chi, uh, back in December of 2018, where he basically formally asked Marvel for the role. It got a, the tweet got a lot of traction, and um, he later retweeted that original tweet on July 20th of 2019, thanking them for, you know, offering him the role, and, and of course he accepted. We've got Aquafina as, uh, Katie, uh, Meng Erzang as Zhe Ling, uh, Falashen as Jung Lee, Florian Monteneau as Razor Fist, Benedict Wong as Wong, Michelle Yeoh as Ying Nan, uh, Ben Kingsley returns as Trevor Slattery, Tony Leung as Wen Wu, and uh, I also want to point out that this is a uh, legendary Hong Kong film actor, um, Tony Leung's first role in an American film, and his first English-speaking role um, but he's he's always spoken English very fluently. But this is his first American film. And I know this actor. Um, I haven't seen his entire body of work. He's got a huge body of work. But I, I know him from the movie Hero. I remember watching him in uh, The Grand Master. I'm a big fan of the Ip Man films. And this is kind of like it, he, pl- uh, he played Ip Man in The Grand Master. Um, but my favorite movie that he's in, I don't know if you guys have ever seen this, but it's a, it's a John Woo movie. Uh, Chai Yun-Fat is in it. And, uh, have you ever, have you guys ever seen hard boiled? No, Mm
2: -mm.
4: no,
6: unfortunately
4: it is fucking incredible. If you can find hard boiled, um, it's not streaming anywhere. I would highly recommend this fucking movie. It is absolutely incredible. It's probably John Woo's best movie in my opinion. Um, Oh, I also want to point uh, – give out props to um, Bill Pope, the cinematographer of the film. He did all three Matrix movies. He did uh, Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. He did Alita Battle Angel, um, tons of movies. Bill Pope is an incredible cinematographer. Uh, and, a, and a huge shout-out and uh, rest in peace to Brad Allen. He's the martial arts choreographer on the movie – actually passed away a few weeks ago um this was uh this guy was a legend um in martial arts choreography and and in stunts he he worked with jackie chan on many movies and you can definitely see this guy's influence in this movie um he passed away on august 7th so just a few weeks ago and uh only 48 years old so
6: oh my god wow terrible yeah
4: rest in peace brad allen um you're uh you will be missed in 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 the martial arts genre, also tons of other people uh in this movie um that uh probably will come up as we unpack the film um, fuck it zach cherry's back is cle <laughs> <He, he, laughs> I love that he was a, he played he was a street vendor in spider man homecoming he was the guy who said. Okay Spider-Man give, give us a flip and and Spider-Man gave, gave us a flip and he's like yeah and he's back <laughs> he's back in this one as a as a live streamer um. Yeah. Very funny scene. Is he uh, the same character? Same character. It's confirmed. Yeah. Yeah. He was on, I think yeah. he was on, he, he appeared on, uh, I think, Jimmy Kimmel after his appearance in Spider-Man. And he was petitioning for a Disney Plus spinoff series with this character. <laughs> 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 you
1: know, that would be fun. If he does the live stream stuff, I mean, if you could do like a little, even like on Disney, like a web series of like that character, just like live streaming, like. Things that he's seeing I agree
4: I uh, honestly I think he, he would be perfect as the commentator for what the future of the ten rings might be if they continue to go down the golden dagger route that we saw in this if they wanted to do it uh, but we'll talk about that later Yeah. Um, <laughs> Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings has a runtime of 132 minutes and an estimated budget of $150 million. We really don't know the, the budget. That's as much as we can kind of guesstimate what it is. We are going to go ahead and rate this film right now. If this is your first time listening, we would like you to be familiar with the rating system. The
0: rating system is simple. If the leftovers don't like something, they toss it. If they do like something, they suggest you taste it. And if it's brilliant, it gets a Tupperware rating. If all the leftovers love it, then it gets the pinnacle of
4: success, a Tupperware party. All right, let's talk about, you know, we're going to unpack this film. I want to talk about what we liked, what maybe we didn't like in this movie. Um, You guys have already heard my rating two weeks ago after I watched the advanced screening, I saw this on August 18th at an advanced screening. And if, if you didn't get to hear about that experience, it's on a, a, a previous bonus episode that we had, but yeah, Disney tightened the reins on this one, made us put our cell phones in the car. It was insane. They even threatened to prosecute if anybody was caught filming. So it was, yeah, it was quite the experience. Um, but uh, in that bonus episode i gave this movie a tupperware i have since seen it uh two times after and uh i one of those times i watched this movie in 3d and um i'm still giving this the the highest of tupperwares i absolutely loved it It, it, just all the different uh you know one of my big things that i talked about me and joe we talked about this is like we wanted them to really do a great job and give us something different and something cool with the martial arts styles that they're going to be using in the film. And I think that they did. I mean, we've got two different, like two, three different styles of martial arts throughout the entire movie. Uh, Wen Wu is training Shang-Chi and Wing Chun. And then you've got uh, uh, Li, his, his mother training him in Tai Chi. And then, and then when they're in Talo, you get to see, like, the, the wuxia style uh, that you see in, like, movies like Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, and even a little bit in the Matrix movies. And I fucking – I love that shit. Um, huge fan of uh, Tony Leung's character, of Wu in this. Kind of, like, not your traditional villain. I love what Marvel has been doing with these villains as of late. Tragic villains. Like, I feel like this guy wouldn't have been a villain if certain things hadn't happened. Um, and he wouldn't have treated his children a certain way if th- certain things didn't happen. But man, it was uh, just a fantastic villain. I think for me, um, Wenwu, Wu, there's a few characters that were phenomenal in this movie, but I think Wen Wu stole the show for me. I loved Aquafina as Katie. I think that unlike uh, Robert Pena, is that his name Robert Pena from the Ant-Man movies? Michael. Um, Michael Pena. Boy, Michael Pena. Yeah. yeah, I'm I'm not a huge fan of that character in the Ant-Man movies, just a little too over-the-top comical for me. I thought that she was just naturally, organically funny in this, and it had a lot to do with, like, her relationship with Shang-Chi and just how they get along. I love seeing those two together fucking, like, going out, getting drunk, doing karaoke, singing Hotel California. I fucking loved it. Um, and, like, what kind of, like, Cemented that I was just really gonna love this movie is when, is, is that first, that bus fight scene. I, I fucking loved everything about that whole fight. The one part I didn't like about that, it was kinda like the cringiest moment before the fight happened was when Katie says, you've got the wrong guy, does he look like he can fight? And it was just like, okay, we get, we don't need to point (laughs) out how much of a pussy you think. Shang-Chi is like, we don't, it was cringy. It was just a cringy moment for me. Um, but once the fight ensued, it was just like, oh my God, the music, I I think it was that song run it, uh, from DJ snake that they played. It, It just like, oh my God, I've been listening to like the Spotify, uh, playlist. Um, every time I get out of the theater, I'm just fucking like jamming out to that shit. I fucking, I love the bus scene. I love the music and this movie is just an absolute tupperware uh for me in in every way uh i loved it i love the birth of a new avenger and if you guys don't know he is part of the avengers now like even a new tv spot said uh introducing like marvel's newest avenger so like that post that mid-credit scene is basically setting him up as a as a new avenger so it's awesome seeing a a the birth of a new avenger i absolutely love this movie i love the cast i love everybody that they got involved in this one And um, it was a success for me, a huge success for me. So, absolute Tupperware. Um, Since everyone's dying to know what Joe thought of it, because we have no idea, uh, I want to hear Joe's thoughts next.
5: (laughs) Yeah, dude. I mean, we had the opportunity to talk about this movie leading up to it, like, several times. And I I kept saying over and over again, like, I really want to see, you know, this next level martial arts choreography that we get in these other films. Um you know so if you 're fan of the genre you 've seen this stuff, and so you know what you know these the the choreographers and stuff today you know what they 're really capable of and dude, this movie did not disappoint like they brought it in this it was so good, um and the way that they blended these two different styles together, it worked so well, and even making them directly play against each other and seeing the how they could work and in the way that they brought that in and multiple times um in the film it was really 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 delightful um this movie had a lot of good heart to it too um i i wasn't expecting that heart to come from the wen wu character and i thought that that was just great i think this is the first time that i've seen uh tony young tony lung yeah how do you say his last name uh tony leung tony leung i think this is the first time i've seen him in something um so I'm definitely going to have to be checking out more of his stuff cuz he really really blew me away. I didn't expect the big turn that they did with his character. Um and that was it was really really touching at the end when when he turned the rings over to Shang-Chi and I really didn't want to see him go like that, but I understood why they did, you know, in terms of the story. Um but it just really brought a tremendous amount of heart that I really really liked. Uh the I thought the humor in this was <laughs> it was like so good. Um I had so much laughter in this and I actually had like a good auditorium full of people in terms of people willing to laugh out loud in this stuff. And so it just made the theater experience that much better that, you know, everybody was enjoying it so much. Um, I I, I couldn't believe that I liked the Trevor character as much as I did in this. And it it almost makes me want to go back and and look at Iron Man 3 under a different light (laughs) because – I I think I will be seeing that character differently now just because I enjoyed him so much in this. Um, And all the chemistry between Aquafina and Simu Liu was so good in this uh, that, you know, when they set this up for the future movies and and Wong, you know, like, you know, Katie, you're coming too. I was like, yes, that's great. They're keeping them together as a pair. And so I'm really interested in seeing what the future is going to hold for, you know, how – you know, not only Shang-Chi is an aven- uh, Avenger now, but, you know, how's Katie going to work into it? And uh, they, they did really good stuff with her character in this one. So I'm hoping they're going to be able to do more in the future, even if it's, you know, a shared film or something like that, where it's just a different character. Uh, the, the whole mythology they set up in this with Ta-Lo was like, it really captured my imagination. And with all the different mystical creatures that were there, uh, just incredible visuals all around. I remember thinking when they first got there, like up to this point in terms of just landscape and visuals, like black Panther was at the top of my list. And I really love that, that this one is now, you know, there's this other magical place that's hidden and it's breathtakingly beautiful. And it's, you know, it's, it's still similar environments, but completely different. And I loved that they had all those different um, limestone mountains with the tunnels. You know, they'd go all the way through them because they have those natural features. And I'm, um, I think the region's called get in, in China it's just beautiful with these huge arches and everything um so yeah Ta Lo just really blew me away with all the visuals and you know just the the way they set everything up for the future with this the, the mid credit scenes I'm very excited to see where Phase 4 is going to take us and into the future so yeah absolute Tupperware for me Tupperware awesome
4: uh June what are your thoughts on Shang-Chi
1: This is a Tupperware and I mean I For me, personally, as a first-generation Korean-American, the fact that this is first Asian superhero, like this movie hit me emotionally in ways that I was not expecting. And the fact that it's a Tupperware is actually a huge relief for me because when Marvel first announced we're doing Shang-Chi, we're doing the first Asian superhero, I was excited. I was ecstatic. And I was like, hell yes, finally. But then I started reading the comics. And I got nervous as fuck. Because, because that source that materi- source material is, is rooted, rooted in, in really harmful Asian, Asian, Asian stereotypes. stereotypes. Marvel, I love Marvel. Marvel. Uh, June, you're, June
4: echoing. you're echoing. Oh, hang,
1: oh on. hang on. Okay, sorry, technical difficulties. But anyway, um, I don't know if y'all have read the Chang Chi comics, but it's it's not good. <laughs> the original from like the seventies. Oh yeah. I mean, it is that's worse material. It is it, it, like those stereotypes. And I just remember reading this first couple of issues and going, oh, God, I don't think I want this now. And so going and then, you know, I try to have some faith in Marvel, although in the past they have not been very good with this. Looking at you, Iron Fist. So <laughs> I so I so I went into this movie with so many emotions. Like I was excited, of course. And then I was also super nervous, in some ways almost dreading it just because I love the MCU so much. And I put so much importance in the first Asian superhero that I knew that I was like, if they can't pull this off, this might ruin the MCU. Like, this might not – I mean, I just – I went in with such a personal, like, investment in the movie. And it – it was so great. I mean, like – Everyone has said the martial arts is just, it's gorgeous. Like it is a gorgeous, it's a beautiful film. I think the choreography is fantastic. But what I really loved is that it doesn't, I mean, it depicts, you know, the Asian experience, but also, you know, the Asian diaspora, like the Asian American experience. And there were just small, subtle things throughout the movie that me, you know, as a child of Asian immigrants, you know, born and raised in America, Just those little nuances, I just, like, one example is when um, Uncle Fina's character, you know, she learns that, hey, her buddy Sean isn't just Sean, and they're on the plane, and he tells her his, like, okay, this is my Chinese name, and they go back and forth on how you pronounce it. Like, that is, I, that has, that's, it just reminded me and, like, my parents. Like, because I don't speak Korean, and so... You know, they'll. I'll try to say a word in Korean, and they say it back to me, and I think I'm saying it correctly. And it's just like the little ways that you pronounce things, and it's just because having lived in America, like growing up learning English, it's just hard to translate that. And then even just the characterization of Shang Chi when we first meet him, he's Sean. You know, he's just he's a valet living in San Francisco, and you know he's very subdued, and he's you know he he doesn't want to cause any trouble like Katie wants to take the BMW and go riding around and he's like just don't cause any trouble to me for me when i looked at that i'm like he's doing what most of us who either moved to america when we were little kids or were born and raised in america like our you know immigrant parents were telling us and this is very true across all asian cultures like you're told to you know don't stir the waters like be in the background. Um, like one thing that I was told it's uh, the nail that sticks up gets hammered down. Like basically don't cause a fuss. And that's kind of how agents become like the quote model minority. Like we're the acceptable minority. Cause we just shut our mouths and do what we're told. And we're obedient. And you know, and I just love the contrast between like him and I mean, Awkwafina is like, fuck you. Like I want to take this car and go riding around. I know it's just small, subtle things like that throughout the movie that I was so surprised that Marvel took the time to do. And again, that's what happens when you have, you know, Asians, you know, directing the film, writing the film, involved in the production of the film. Like having representation matters, not just, you know, with the characters in the movie, but even in the making of the movie. So I give huge props to Marvel for this and I am so proud and I'm so happy with how this movie turned out. So
4: Awesome, yeah, so we're so far, uh three Tupperwares, no June, thank you for that i I know that like you know there's a lot of pressure on uh, uh children of, of of immigrants succeeding in America, so I feel like that's where like the a lot of the pressure can comes through, and I feel like this movie did a really good job of of representing you know that on the screen um, you know with the family dynamic that we get to see a little bit at the beginning. Um, mm-hmm. Super fun, super fun movie. As far as like, and and, and I loved like uh, what was it? Um, uh, the grandmother and her leaving out the uh, the whiskey <laughs> for 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 her and husband. We do,
1: yes, and we do that. Like for my um, my dad's grandfather, my, my dad, my grandfather on my dad's side. Like he used to smoke um, Lucky Strikes, and so like on. I think we do it on his birthday. Um, like we'll light. A lucky strike cigarette and just like leave it in the ashtray like by his picture and it's just something and it's small things like that like they don't hit you over the head with it it's yeah. just small things they just like throw in like it's normal by the way the actress who plays the grandmother she was in the joy luck club back in 1993 that woman looks exactly the same <laughs> she d- i had the same thought june i remember right? her from like joy luck club i'm like how exactly- does she look the same what is she going, going on exactly there? the same <laughs> like her hair might be a little more gray but like her fa- like, she just she looks exactly the same' been preserved over thirty years it's like amazing. I don't know <laughs> so it's crazy uh Rebecca
6: yeah um <sighs> So I had said previously on this podcast that Shang-Chi was my most anticipated movie of this year, um, which is why I was so excited to be uh, asked to be on the episode to review it. Um, and I'm not going to bury the lead. This movie lived up to every hope that I had, and it is a Tupperware from me as well. Um the uh the fighting i mean i i don't think we could talk enough about how beautiful the fighting choreography is i mean you you said it earlier it's got crouching tiger hidden dragon it's got jackie chan it's got uh and knowing now that the the fight choreographer for the movie did so many jackie chan movies i mean absolutely makes complete sense oh real quick Um, before i forget rebecca
4: um the actor that played guan Bo um uh, i'll pull up his name later if i have it I, I apologize i don't have it right now in front of me but um he worked with uh bruce lee uh, uh in 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 uh fists of uh was it fists of, Fist of fury
6: okay and- um so his name is wa yuen i hope i said that correctly um actually he's listed as yuen wa so i'm hope i didn't get that too wrong um i was gonna say that there are even bruce lee elements in this film like little touches of like bruce lee and that makes total sense uh, his
4: name is yen ma
6: yen ma yeah. okay i said it wrong i apologize um Yeah, that, that makes, uh, so much sense too, because I did feel, I felt like I was watching an old school kung fu movie, and then I felt like I was watching an anime, and then I felt like I was watching Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, and it was, it had all of those elements, never mind that the movie just looked gorgeous on screen, it was beautiful to look at to watch um i loved when they get to talo and there's all of these just magical creatures um i thought the design on the dragon was absolutely beautiful yeah it uh, reminded me
4: of uh if, if you've ever seen spirited away it reminded me of yes. uh of haku yes. when he goes yes. into yes. dragon form
6: 100 mm-hmm. I, I i feel like those are the things i picked up in this movie that made it feel like an anime um but then the motivations of all the characters, um, you said it earlier with the father of him being like you, I, I, him being like a sympathetic villain. I, I enjoy a sympathetic villain when, when it's done right. And I felt like I understood why he was doing everything he was doing. He was in so much pain. He missed his wife. He, um, he thought she was calling to him. He thought he could save her and reunite their family, and it was absolutely his motivation for doing everything that he did. To the point that it blinded him to the obvious truth that it was never his wife back there. It was never, and that he was to that he had a lot of culpability in how his kids turned out, and the, the themes of just family and family dynamics and all of that stuff really resonated with me on a really emotional level with this film. I, I just I thought the representation of women was really great in this. Like um I loved how Aquafina, even though she's sort of like a she's not a minor character and she's obviously a secondary character to, to Shang-Chi, but she goes on her own journey to discover who she is and what her strengths are. And Shang and then Shang-Chi's sister Where she goes on her own emotional journey, and I know we'll talk about her very, very end of the movie, what happens, but um, I I just thought this movie hit so many tones. And I'll be honest, when they revealed um, Ben Kingsley in this film, I'm not going to lie, I literally slumped in my chair and I said alright well now this film's gone to shit they're gonna make this guy the comic relief and he's gonna take over the whole fucking film and and they didn't I was so shocked they didn't do it they had him in it just enough for me that they felt like he was funny but he didn't uh, he didn't take away anything from what was going on in the story. I mean, there's very little that I didn't like about this movie and I just, I absolutely loved it. So another Tupperware
4: from me. All right, another Tupperware. Oh God, I just want to say, uh, I love Morris. I'm a huge Morris fan. Oh my God.
2: He's so cute.
4: I want a Morris plush doll that I can sleep with. That's all I want in this world is a big...
1: It'd be a pillow. You can get a Morris pillow.
4: I know. I just want to lay on this fucking chicken pig. And, and, and go night night. So I absolutely, I loved Morris. I thought Morris was just fantastic. So
1: adorable.
4: Um, and now I want to hear, uh, from Tristan. Tristan, uh, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. What do you, what is your thoughts and rating?
7: Well, um, unless Jake breaks through the wall like the Kool-Aid man and gives a high. I tasted it. It's a Tupperware party.
4: <laughs> it's a Tupperware <laughs> party. Incredible! it's All awesome. Right.
2: Yeah,
7: yeah, it was. I mean, this was um, probably my most anticipated Marvel movie um, aside from uh, uh, Spider-Man. So I guess it was. Uh, you know, it, it was. It was a film that I had been looking forward to for quite some time. I, I've heard them t- talking about it for years, and you know, I just really wanted them to knock this one out the park. And I heard the reviews come out. I had so much relief hearing the the joy wow. and 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 all of the uh, the praise that was coming towards this film, and I was just worried that I was going to see it and not feel the same thing. And and you know I've seen it twice now, and it's it's a movie that I can just see over and over again and just really appreciate the the subtleties and and little uh, you know nuggets that I missed. Uh, overall, the marketing materials I don't think they you know they. They do the movie justice. I feel that that third act. I mean, it's so fantastical and beautiful. It just is cleverly hidden from any of the trailers, and and it was such a pleasant surprise. It this movie makes me value the Marvel movie format because for some time I was saying, okay, well, I would just rather have everything in, uh, you know, Disney Plus, you know, a six-hour uh, series. But I also just see the value that you can just pack into a two hour movie with a high budget. You know, this is just well done. It's just a you know two hour uh Marvel just you know putting everything on the table and, and giving us a complete story that's well rounded, great characters, and I and I really see how the movie format can benefit us as, as opposed to the six hour uh episode structure as well. So yeah, overall this movie was just it lived up to its expectations as, as far as I'm concerned. Um, I thought the uh, the opening scene it was beautiful. I, I it brought tears to my eyes the first time I saw it. Um, that dance it was just just so well choreographed. Oh, it was and, beautiful,
1: Tristan. I, yeah. I mean, it was like a potted do. De like it was just. I mean, it was fighting, but yeah, it was graceful.
7: Yeah, I was just <laughs> like, man, this is like so <laughs> so. How I would have you know, want to fall in love with someone? You know, it was just a a, a beautiful a beautiful way for, for love to emerge real
4: quick in my review, uh, on, on the website, I compared it to like, it was like watching like a ballet Mm -hmm. and I, but I loved how it, we see them kind of like spinning around and looking at each other. And like, there is like this, you can see on his side, like on one side, like there's like this almost, there's this level of respect and admiration, um, that he has, has, um, for her and at the end of the movie, it's mirrored with Shang-Chi when they're fighting right before like the dark dimension door and they're yeah. spinning around yeah. and looking at each other. And it's like this look of like the father is looking at the son, um, but
7: that he almost like you're my, like you're your mother.
4: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But, yes. but his son is just looking at him with like this, this, um, this family. Grief of like what happened to my father. Like we when we needed you the most after, you know, our mother was was taken from us, and I had to watch this shit. And now you're fucking blaming me for it. Moments earlier, that I didn't step up and do anything.
1: Except you know, I was eight years old. What the fuck am I gonna do again? I w- well, I was a child. Twelve.
4: I, I was a child, and and yeah. then on the flip side, it's like you created this mess with all the stuff that you did with those rings prior to this merit this mm-hmm. engagement and this marriage and uh, i just liked how like those two scenes like super mirrored each other um it really brought me back to like that first scene and you look at it kind of differently with like you know um the ancestral connection between all these characters it was really fucking cool but tristan go ahead i apologize no it's all good
7: um yeah, I I felt like um just as a structure it was a formulaic Marvel movie but at the same time it felt very very different and it created a universe that was so separate and apart from what we're used to in the MCU. Like it's it's almost like you kind of forget the MCU exists for the most part. And and I thought that was amazing as opposed to some of the other films where it's, you know they they want to reference Iron Man, they want to reference everything every 10 minutes to remind you that it's MCU. This thing was very comfortable in its own little pocket and, you know, just felt like it breathed and lived on its own. Um, I, Jun Junior mentioned um, the early uh, the early problematic uh, history of Shang-Chi and, and I think Marvel acknowledged a lot of those problematic aspects um, just, you know, in interviews and things like that. You know, the way that they reimagined the Mandarin I thought was very well done. I have to um, note that um, I think on a Marvel Universe, uh, you know, you can usually go back and read a lot of the the earlier origin comics that led up to that character's development and they don't show you any of those old masters of the um, kung fu comic books when they have you getting to know Chang chi they're just kind of starting in the modern age when they you know retconned a lot of that stuff so i think that's yeah. pretty good on on marvel's part that they're oh, saying okay those like
1: masters of kung fu oh my god i yeah. the first one i read i went oh Oh, this, I don't like this at
7: all. <laughs> yeah, you, you can read them. They're there on Marvel Universe, but basically, when they say, if you want to get to know Shang-Chi, start here in 2014. or something like Yeah, that, they're not, they don't want you For to go Fu back Man that
1: is, Fu Manchu yeah. is not his dad. Yeah. <laughs> he yeah. exist anymore.
4: Well, they, they yeah. retconned that in the comics later by making his father Zhang Zhu. And so they've been trying, they've been trying to, you know. Uh, get re- rid of those problematic racial stereotypes that they, that they put in the early comics. They've been trying, so. And I think that they really did a great job here as well to kinda like bounce off what you guys are saying.
7: Yeah, but we could um, go into discussion. That's basically my synopsis. I, I loved it. It's a Tupperware for me.
4: Fantastic. Tupperware party for fucking Shang-Chi and The Legend <laughs> of the Ten Rings. And I'm glad that you guys enjoyed this movie as much as I did. It was so hard for me, honestly, to, like, not want to just, like, talk to somebody and dive into, like, spoilers on this movie. And um, I'm glad I can finally talk about it. We can unpack this movie now. Um I, let's talk. I want to talk about Wenwu because I love Tony Leung's character in this. Um, one question before we really dive into like what happened in this movie: Do you think that we will ever get a scene? And I think like maybe it's super important for us to get the scene later of and of how he got the rings. It's 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 alluded to in this movie, and we're gonna unpack this a lot more once we get into like the mid credit scene but do you think we'll ever get a scene of like how he got these rings? Like, I think it was in the narration at the beginning from his wife talking about, you know, maybe he got them from a a tomb or a crater or something like that. Uh, But do you think we'll ever see, I think it's, I think it's super important that we do see this scene. Go ahead, June.
1: No, I'm saying I agree because yeah. And like the, you know, the opening narration, um, you know, with shang Chi's mother, you know, telling the story to the kids, like it's a bedtime story, but she's like, she gives a couple of different scenarios. Like, legend has it one way, you know, and then, like, you know, but then there's another legend that has it this way. And, um, uh, but the fact that in the post-credit scene or the mid-credit scene, I feel like they're gonna come back. And now that Sean Chi has them, which I have a couple of questions about, actually, more talking than that, I do have a question. Go ahead. So, so now Sean Chi has them, right? Yeah. But, like, to, okay, I guess at first I was thinking that the rings in some way, like, kind of brought out the bad in the father, like, and that was one of the important, like, that was the importance of his relationship with, um, you know, their mom, like, you know, his wife, is that, like, she brought out the good in him. You know, he he put the rings aside, you know, he put them in a box, he put them away, he didn't rely on them anymore. So, I mean, is that how the rings work? Like, do they I don't know.
4: I don't know if it's a. I don't know if it's like a Lord of the Rings golem thing, where like, Mm -hmm. listen, this is what I have. This is what I say about that. I think that the rings for Wenwu were a crutch. They were not meant for him. Um, They never were going to be meant for him. It's just part of his character. And, And think about this. Think about like what we've seen in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, like Captain America gets the super soldier serum and he's worthy of that serum. Like we've never really seen this guy abuse it in a, in a way uh, that we saw, you know, um, uh, uh, John Walker. Yeah. Uh, what, what we saw Walker do in the Falcon and winter soldier. It would just, but, and that's how I feel that it is. For Wenwu, like those rings were really never meant for him. And I think if we do get like this whole like uh, scene of like, how did Wenwu get the rings? And if we in another movie, a future movie, whether it be Shang-Chi 2 or whether it be whatever, I think it's going to be a shameful moment for him how he gets these rings Mm. and that's why that's why we never got the story that's why it's never that's why he never told his wife it's like you think about like all the nights they spent together talking before they even had children and stuff like that I'm sure she had questions and that's why she doesn't even know I think it's a shameful way of how he got these rings and I want to unpack like what I think may have happened later when we do talk about you know when we dive into the mid credit scene and stuff like that but like I think it's a shameful way and that's why we never heard that part of the story i don't think it's like this like you know like he like this like he had to fucking like indiana jones go through like a cave and go through all like these tests and trials and it's like he earned those rings i think it's a shameful way that he earned those rings or got those rings into his possession and that's why we don't know that fucking story and when you look at that compared to like how shang chi gets the rings in this movie i think they're going to be completely different Shang-Chi, basically, he earned these rings in this movie, and I think that the rings chose him. But as far as, like... Well, they protected
1: him, right? Like, it kind of seemed like in the fight with his father, you know, in front of the Dark Dimension portal, though, like, it I mean, it kind of seemed like the rings were protecting Shang-Chi, you know, like...
4: Yeah, I think it felt the same energy that it felt from his mother as well, who I also think would be worthy of these rings. I don't... But I don't think that the rings themselves... Poisoned when Wu. I think it goes back to, goes back to Captain America, and like you've got to find the right guy to uh, to you know give the serum to because it enhances like whatever's inherent within you mm-hmm. as a person, and it brings out okay. brings yeah. out good characteristics or it brings out bad characteristics. And I think that this guy always had like this, uh, and I think I think Zhe Ling's the same way in a lot of ways. She's she takes a little bit more after the father here and, and the reason I say that is because she at one point in this movie looks at Kate and says you know like if I can't get be a part of my father's empire then I'm going to start my own yeah. so she started her yeah. own at 16 and I think I think her like journey to power is completely different than you know I I, I don't think that Shang-Chi and I don't think his mother had like this power starved this hunger for power and I feel like that's on you know the father was like that and i think i even think that Jaling is like that so i think it's yeah i think it's just inherent about like what characteristics are within you and i i think this movie like there's a lot of stuff it gets it gets into like a lot of deeper meanings and and stuff and i'm glad that we're, we're, we're talking about that. that was a great question june thank you
1: yeah, so that was just something that I was wondering because I was kind of like worried that Shang-Chi had the rings on. I'm like, but what if they make him evil?
4: <laughs> no, I don't, I don't think that the rings – I don't think that the rings could ever do that to, to Shang-Chi. I don't, yeah. I don't think that, that, that he – That makes
1: feel better now. Yeah,
7: yeah. Yeah, you can worried. just see the differences in the colors too. You know, the colors, the way that uh, the blue cold colors with uh, uh, the uh, Tony Leung and the golden colors with Shang-Chi – I think it just sort of, you know, like Brian was saying, was just highlights who you are. Okay. Um, I, I don't think I it's like going to actually change him into, you
5: know, an evil character or anything. Was,
2: well, I, I think played. it's Talk, based on like,
5: intent, you know, okay. like who has it, how are you using it, and I think that's others? like others are
1: are you using it. To I've always liked the idea of get power.
5: Yeah, I've always liked the idea of magic kind of being influenced by the intent of the user, and that's what it felt like with these rings. Is that you know, Shang Chi? was using him to protect, where his father was using him to dominate.
4: Yeah, mm. I I honestly mm. think that if 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 Zhe Ling ever had access to the rings, that they would be blue. I really, re- agree. I, I really do, I really do. And I I, I and it's I'm not saying that, that that she's inherently a bad person. Just like I'm not saying like Wenwu is like always a bad person. We've got a tragic villain here, you know, a sympathetic villain, as Rebecca called him. And I think that you know that that just kind of plays in with with these guys. i love the family dynamic <laughs> in this That's movie so fucking good let's talk about, i want to talk about wen Wu though um tony leong i think he stole the movie for me i think this guy yeah. stole the fucking movie for That's me great. Um, he
1: does so much with his face this is the thing like i i don't know this actor i don't i i, I have no i i never knew anything about this actor um But, I mean, clearly he is a fantastic, you know, martial artist. But I would love for him to be in a non-martial arts film because I think he can – I think he's just a fantastic actor, period. Like, there is so much that he does with his face
7: alone. I'm I'm so surprised he hasn't transferred over into the American market.
1: Exactly, because he is, like – I think there's some – like, there's some martial arts actors where, you know, they they may not have great dramatic acting chops, Right. Their, you know, their martial arts is fantastic though, um, and sometimes that you can't really cross over. But I think this guy could easily cross over. into mean, doing Hollywood films, I and mean, doing dramatic roles. I, I mean, he is just—he's a good actor. Period.
5: Like, I, I, I think his level of talent. I think his level of talent and everything really speaks to the fact that we might see more of him in the future. Whether it's just some sort of flashback scene like Brian was suggesting with him getting the rings or, you know, an an alternate reality version of him. But he's been such a hit with audiences that it seems like it would be foolish for them to not bring him back in some capacity. I
4: definitely want to see him. I think some of these actors really like, uh, uh, you know, if they're going to, if they're going to do a movie in Hollywood, some of these Asian actors really want to make sure that they get the right movie. And I think there was no better movie for this guy to be cast in. If this is his first movie for for American audiences, uh American cinema, this is like this was the one to pick. Uh Shang Chi, the first Asian superhero. I mean, this is the movie to do it, and this is, I mean, he fucking left his mark on this film. It's the difference between a fucking villain, like, and I, you know, and I didn't say it in the bonus episode, but I think Tony Leon did a better job than, uh, and she's great in Thor Ragnarok, but Kate uh, Blanchett, I think that this is another, I think it's even better than what she did mm-hmm. in that movie. I think that this guy just took it to a whole new level and that villain that was also family dynamic with odin and like her being first born and everything this is just but he, tony leong just fucking killed it in this movie like she he's pain.
1: He's, he's character's pain you can see it you could feel it oh yeah just express it on when, the screen and you could actually feel his pain all
4: the research all the research of talo and all the stuff that he had been researching over the years was to get back to his wife um the, I guess my bi- my biggest problem was some of the generic um dialogue that was used from his wife uh that was actually the mega soul sucker talking to her um was she was just saying shit like save me save me and I kept thinking of like this just sounds like princess peach in a mario movie <laughs> so <laughs> but but I think he was just so poisoned so poisoned by the mega soul sucker on the other side uh and the mega soul sucker knew that you know and it it, it and the movie says this that it had been bringing people over to talo to try to bust down the dark gate but nobody had been able to do it before and then the mega soul sucker finally starts to reach out to wenwu because it knows that the power of the ten rings have the power to, to bring the gate down yeah um,
6: well, you know, something that's really interesting about all of this is that if you think about, I think, what leads up to Wu being so willing to believe that this is his wife, you think about how when he met her and they fell in love, they each gave up something very big. She gave up her connection to Talo. She gave up her powers to go be with him. And he gave up the Ten Rings. Like, he put them away. And as long as he was wearing them he's immortal but once he takes them off and puts them away he begins to age right because he even says he found something worth growing old for he Mm. wanted to grow old with this woman they each gave up something very big to be together and start this family so that when um This this gang that shows up, which they were they were kind of very generic looking gangs as well. They were like, "Hey, that guy killed our boss. Now we're here like (laughs) payback." I was like, "Eh, okay."
4: I'm surprised they didn't use like the 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 like Biffs, you know, fucking Biffs, fucking from Back to the Future, (laughs) like Billy Zane. Yeah, but
6: like so when when it happens that she's left to face them alone and even even shang jing is a little boy says to her you know you don't have your powers he knows that this is a fight she can't win but she's going to defend her family that catalyst that thing of how much they each gave up to be together and now she's gone i think that just sends him into this deep dark place of anger and regret and sadness and fury and it just this is what turns him into he puts the rings back on he becomes you know so strict with his son and and he basically like turns his kid into an assassin at the age of 14 it's so that when he hears that voice right? Even though it's so silly of just like, help me. He believes that it's her because he wants it to be her so badly. And it's in that moment that even though he's doing terrible things and he's like, well, if they won't let me and I'll just burn that fucking village to the ground. You, you get the pain that he is in. And I think that's what makes this so unlike, any other marvel movie i've seen of of just how much pain this man is in and the lengths he will go to to try to fix his family it is just it's such the driving force of the film and it's just done so so well yeah you have to give credit to to tony leung for that i mean he is fantastic in this movie
4: yeah i mean he said he's trying to fix his family but he's actually driving a wedge in it the daughter is not included at all in the Empire, she feels left out. She's doing training in this, in, in, you know, in, in the dark, uh, unbeknownst to anybody else and, uh, watching them train and she's doing it herself. And then, like, he's putting his son through, like, this abuse and it's fucking abusive what he's going through. Punching the, the fucking, uh, wooden pole post. And I mean, that, that scene hits you harder. You see it in the trailer, but it hits you a lot harder when he fucking puts his fist on that pole later on. Um, and he remembers, like, the training with Death Dealer and how Death Dealer used to hit him and cut his face and, and train him really hard. And his father would walk away when he would lose a fight from Death Dealer and just look like he was ashamed of his son. And there was no love. Here's the thing. When he fights Death Dealer later on, when after we get the whole bamboo scaffolding fight and he's fighting Death Dealer – do you think in that moment before Wen Wu stops him with the rings? do you think that Shang-Chi would have stabbed Death Dealer?
6: Yes. Yes. 100%. Yeah. Because
4: they show like this whole like montage of him getting beat by Death. I felt like I felt that way too. Like, and the second time, third time I'm watching, I'm like, do I still think that Shang-Chi would have killed this guy? And even though we find out that he did kill, you know, as a child, I was like... The first time I watched it, I was like, I don't want to believe that Shang Chi is going to kill this guy. But man, I think he fucking would have. I think he would have fucking killed him in the heat of the moment there.
1: hmm I think so, too.
4: I think that... Oh, I love the... I love the uh, the design of Death Dealer. Wasn't the biggest fan of the character in the movie. I think they could have done a lot more with Death Dealer and that whole relationship there. I... But I mean, we, it's a two-hour movie. I felt like Razor Fist had a bigger arc than Death Dealer. Sadly, he did. Oh,
2: yeah. Did. Oh,
4: and yeah. I love that Razor Fist has his name on his fucking car. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. All I kept thinking of was Razor Face. Remember from No Taser face. Taser. Taser, Taser, Taser face, face. Taser oh, I'm Face, yeah. i like Taser Face, because I was like, it's like Guardians too. <laughs> Never mind.
4: No, I loved, I, I, I actually, I enjoyed uh Razor Fist um, more towards, I I wasn't the biggest fan of Razor Fist beginning in the, in the, his like, at the beginning of this movie. But, like, towards the end, I actually enjoyed the character quite a bit.
1: And, yeah, I mean, it was tropey, but, like, when one of the villagers is like, we have to work together. And he's like, shut up. And then one of his men gets his soul sucked and he turns around and he goes, we should work together. No, it was, it was <laughs>
4: fucking Death Dealer was the first one to get his soul sucked out.
1: Yeah, yeah. It yeah. Was. And then he turned around. He's like, "Yeah, we should work together."
6: <laughs> that was definitely it, like a very similar comedic beat to like that first uh, Avengers film, yes, where like Cap shows up and he's like, "Establish a perimeter, do this, do that," and the guy's like, "Why should I listen to you?" And then like Cap beats the shit out of him with the guitar. All right, I need a perimeter down <laughs> yeah, there. And yeah, 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 very much that that similar beat. From I loved yeah. that yeah. moment. I mean, you knew it was coming. Like you know it's going to happen, but, but you still it. laugh at it. Yeah.
5: yeah. <laughs> I want to talk about. about oh, go ahead. <laughs> That uh, th- I loved it when he attached that uh, dragon scale blade. Yes. Like he replaced his because he's like, all right, this weapon's oh, no good. Yeah, and so that he breaks cool. that off and that attaches cool. it and picks up a you know a blade in the other hand. Yeah, was, oh, he's totally, totally badass. Awesome.
4: Well, I mean the the that's the only thing that would kill. These things that come through the dark gate is, is, is the dragon scale weapons because (laughs) when he was stabbing it with his standard razor fist and when they were attacking it with their weapons, these things would just like reform. So it had to be dragon scales. It had to be something. And, and we know that Talo is in another dimension. So it's like earthly weapons are not going to kill these fucking things. I want to talk about the, the, the scene that really like cemented for me how much I'm going to love the martial arts in this movie. I, of course I loved what we saw from, you know, the gates of Talo, you know, when, when they're doing the ballet kind of crouching tiger, hidden dragon, um, uh, uh, fighting style. I love that, but I really love the bus fight that like, once that music yeah. kicks in and we see him fighting on that bus, nice. it was just incredible. I also want to say like San Francisco, why did you hire a guy that is a hundred and twenty years old to drive that bus? That guy Morgan Freeman. he looked like Morgan Freeman's he dad like Morgan Freeman. They hired Morgan Freeman's dad to drive that fucking bus, and it's like, for the
1: moment, I actually was like, is Morgan Freeman doing a cameo and I'm like,
4: oh. no this guy this guy has you know he's got cataracts, you know he's never he's never he for the last thirty years he hasn't been able to touch his thumb to his index finger. Like this guy looks like he is in pain, and uh, they've got this guy driving the bus. I just thought that that was just like, well, what? What's going on, San Francisco? Did um, anybody
7: else see the Andrew Garfield lookalike? Yes,
4: yes, yeah. <laughs> like that guy was like, it was like, it was like Andrew Garfield light. He had like the same hair and everything. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I totally yeah, I suck. I love
1: that best scene too, Ryan. And I definitely, very Jackie Chan vibe. Like, even just like the small beats where you would have, it was, it was very reminiscent of Jackie Chan to me whenever I watched Jackie Chan movies. Like, you have moments where they're fighting and then you have that brief pause.
4: Well, it was the, for me it was the, uh, for me it was like the jacket, when he was using the jacket as a weapon. That's, like, the jacket's getting taken off of him and he's using the jacket to wrap up their arms. That's 100% Jackie Chan. That's Jackie Chan. Oh yeah, absolutely. And that's like, that's the, that's the, that's Brad Allen's influence on this movie, you know, with him being the choreographer working with Jackie Chan. I loved it. I loved him hanging out of the, hanging out of the bus window and shit like that and they're still trying to attack him. That's totally Jackie Chan. Unlike Jackie Chan though, he didn't do those Johnson Jackie Chan would have, but it was still fucking cool. Uh, have you
1: ever heard Jackie Chan talk about that? Like, so I guess Rush Hour was um, his first like Hollywood movie. And sorry, my husband, go away. Sorry, my husband's bothering me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so um, anyway, Jackie Chan. I remember seeing an interview with him. With um, sorry, he's going to the beach, and I'm trying to get him out of here. Um, anyway, so Jackie Chan. interview is about Rush Hour and. The difference, though, with Hollywood and, like, you know, filming in Hong Kong and the Hong Kong, they don't give a shit. Like, he just does mm-hmm. his stunts and they're like, whatever. He said it was the biggest change, though, was like they would he was like trying to do these certain stunts like, yeah, we don't think you should do that. And they, they were so much more hands on in Hollywood and mm-hmm. like trying to babysit him. And he was just like, let me fall off this fucking building. <laughs> and they're like, no And he's like, no, this bus is moving Like, I'm gonna, like, go run on top of it And whatever, and they're like, yeah, we don't know if we like that We might want to get a stunt guy Or we think we need to do, and he's like, no, just let me do my stunts And, like, he said that was an adjustment Moving over from, like, Hong <clears> Kong <throat> to Hollywood So
4: Yeah, that's, yeah anyway. Yeah, no, yeah, totally uh, um, <laughs> we, they, we like to put the, the Fucking, uh, you know, gloves on Here And, uh,
2: yeah,
4: yeah. yeah, Stunts are kind of the, well, I mean, and, and it's gotten worse over the years. It is sad when you learn about a stunt man dying, like on the set of the walking dead and stuff like that. So you gotta be careful. And like Jackie Chan is a, is a, you know, he's a national treasure to China. So, you know, we don't want to be the studio that fucking kills Jackie Chan. So
1: Except in Hong Kong, they were just like, we like, whatever, all right, do what you
4: want. Well, I, I watched, I, what was that? The, the Vanguard, his last movie that I saw in the theater fucking a jet ski almost drowned him in that movie this guy's in, it, jackie chan's insane he's just he's yeah. insane like he should i would love to see jackie chan and jackass for it should be called jackie chan ass for It's because <laughs> <laughs> I, I honestly think that jackie chan would have a blast with johnny knoxville and all those guys he'd be getting shot out of cannons too he's fucking insane um razor fest they're going after the, the necklace. I was under the impression that the necklaces were a tracking device, um, that, uh, Wen Wu had given, uh, Zhe Ling and, and chi Not the case. We find out that the necklaces are part of the puzzle of finding out your way to the entrance of Ta Lo. And I thought that that was really cool, um, later in the movie when, when they put the, the, the necklace decoration on the eyes of the dragon. And, uh, it gives us the whole map. I thought that that was fuck. It looked like, it looked like one of those fucking like, uh, uh, chewing gum commercials or something with like, with all, with all the water and shit. I was getting ready to, for somebody to talk about like the, the newest <laughs> flavor of, you know, Cap- uh, Capri Sun, the Pacific Cooler you know, or something. (laughs) (laughs) But it was, I loved the, the, I loved that effect. I thought it was really cool, but razor fist, actually, they never show him grabbing the necklace, but there's like a scene where he's got him pinned up against, um, you know, the, the window of the bus when he's inside and it's right before he gives the signal. He still has the necklace on. And then he pulls down, uh, the signal and, um, lets Katie know to take that hard, right. And then he flips into the other side of the bus. And when you see him flip, now the necklace is gone. So somewhere in that altercation, that fight, uh, razor fist grabbed the necklace off and, uh, I love how fucking Razorfist is like the Bond villain that says, oh, we're going to go after your sister next. And so now he knows,
2: <laughs> now,
4: now he knows that he has to go to Macaw to, uh, to warn his sister. And yeah, um, let's talk about everything that we see in Macaw. So he makes his way to Macaw and I love the fact that fucking Katie's like, you're not going alone. I'm going with you. I love. I, love, I loved I loved Aquafina in this movie. I was worried about that. I was worried about that Rebecca. I was worried that I, she, she was going to be a little over the top and and tr- try to, you know, chew the scenery and just be comedic relief. Right. But man, it worked because of her relationship yes. with Shang-Chi. I just and they and they establish it really early on, in my opinion, in the movie when they go out for karaoke and shit like that, that that's just they're just they're fun loving, they're living life, they're having fun, and they joke around and bullshit. She, I think she brought a lot of levity to some scenes, you know? Yeah.
1: She really did. And I love the story about how like, you know, how they gave friends with he's being bullied and um she distracts the bully by just Blurting out the lyrics to Hotel, to Hotel California, <laughs> and by the way, that scene though, like that, to that it's like small, subtle things though. Like the movie does, like for being the first generation Korean American though, it's like when he tells a story, like the bully called him Gangnam style, and he's like, I'm not even Korean. Like growing up, like everyone would just automatically assume I was like Chinese or Japanese, and like it always reminds me of that King of the Hill episode when you first meet the when you first meet Khan. He's Lay yeah, and Hank is like he's like I'm Laotian. and Hank Hill just keeps going. So are you Connie? So <laughs> are you Jackie? <Johnny? laughs>
4: over and over again. You're and like, I will yeah, tell you,
1: like me, all the time. And so small things like that, though, like when you're growing up in America as like an Asian kid, like people assume, like they just think they, because at the time when he was a kid, like Gungnam style was like the big thing, so everyone just assumes that everyone Asian is Korean. Like me yeah. growing up, it was like everyone I used to get called Connie Chung all the time. like i'm
4: not chinese my 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 buddy my buddy gary um his wife uh is laotian and i've gone to uh their laotian family parties and you have never lived until you fucking no you've never (laughs) you've never lived until you've eaten laotian food you've never lived until you fucking drank your first laotian beer and felt like the welcoming of a Laotian family they are I had the best time uh hanging out with Gary and his wife and her family her side of the family and being introduced to like Laotian culture and just how like the food and the beer it was it was one of the best times I've ever had in my entire life so and it was awesome yeah well I fucking loved I was a huge fan of King of the Hill and um I was just like Holy shit! You're Laotian, like, like 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 the like the king of the because. hill, and but it it was completely different than anything that I had ever seen on that fucking show, and yes. it, it such a such an amazing culture, and I wish you know I, I it makes you proud to to be able to experience like that kind of shit in America. I I, I you know like this I, I wanted I want America to be more like that a, a melting pot because like it's fucking it's it's so cool to experience that kind of stuff even i was fucking doing that in champaign illinois hanging out with my buddy gary and it was just the coolest fucking thing anyway um
6: can, can we can we just talk real quick about aquafina for like another second yeah um so i i was thinking what you were saying before brian that you, you were nervous about her being in the film because you were afraid she was be like chewing the scenery and i think if you look at What's interesting about like Aquafina as the, as as her career has has gone on from like being a YouTuber and being like a, a mostly a comedian and then doing some different roles in movies like I loved her in Ocean's Eight I thought she was great in that um, and. Now to see her in this, I think Aquafina has a lot more range as an actor than people are giving her credit for. I think that she can absolutely chew the scenery if that's what the part calls for. I think she's done it. She can do it. But then to see her play this character of like, I'm just out here living my life, doing my thing. Like I'm just out here, you know, going to karaoke and hanging out with my best bud. And then also, at the same time, going through this um, journey to find that it's more than just drifting along in life. She does; she is good at something, and she's not going to run away from it this time. Like, like she establishes that in the beginning of the movie, where she's like, as soon as I get good at something, I get scared and move on to the next thing. Yeah. Here, she finds she's really good at like archery. She had no clue she was, and she's going to stick with it this time. And I, so I think. I, I look forward to seeing Aquafina in so many other roles I love that she's now part of the MCU but man I think people are sleeping on how good of an actor she is and I think this movie really showed a lot of her range.
4: Do you think that there's mm-hmm. a chance that she shows up if there is a Hawkeye season two yes. hanging yeah. Kate, yeah hanging out with 100- hanging out with
6: 100 hanging
4: out with Kate 100- Bishop 100- Haley Steinfeld oh. in that role I mean
6: this opportunity, if they do
1: not put her in I, in Hawkeye season two, yeah, opportunity. I did even put that connection together. You're right; that would make so much sense. I didn't even think I would like associate Hawkeye. With I that. will. That's amazing. As
4: soon as she was fucking doing archery, I was like, "Holy shit, Hawkeye series!"
6: Yeah. <laughs> oh, I would love to see her in that. I mean. I, I haven't obviously we, we haven't seen season one yet. I'm excited for season one, and and if it goes hopefully as good as we hope it does, and then we get a season two. I mean, the dynamic between her and Kate Bishop being in it, and I, I don't know. I, I think that could be just a really really great uh, addition to the series.
4: You know what? You know what movie I loved Aquafina, and it was uh, the Farewell.
1: <gasps> oh my god, that movie! I heard that was so good. It was semi-autobiographical, right? Like it was kind of like, it was kind of based on her grandmother. It was based on her grandmother. I think if you want to talk about Aquafina's
6: range as an actor, watch the, watch the farewell. It, her acting in that movie is so good. That movie is just, it, 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 it uh, it destroyed me. It, it, it'll it make you want to call your grandmother. Like, that's what that movie is. Well, said. I remember it's you guys brilliant.
1: talked about it, and um, it wasn't – I mean, I remember Brian and Marika, you both, like, got very emotional even just reviewing the movie. Yeah. Um, And, I, like, I got – like, even just listening to your review, like, I was like, wow. But it never played in any theater around me. Oh, that's a shame. Yeah, and then, you know, but then – and it was just something that just kind of, like, I, I kind of forgot about it. Like, I didn't think to, like, go find, like, go rent it. And um, just because it was never anywhere around me.
4: Well, that was another that's another Aquafina movie where they've they got a uh, Asian actor uh, that had never been in a Western film before. They got Shuzhen Zhao in that movie that played her grandmother. And uh, she mm-hmm. was she was amazing uh, in that. Let's let, I, let's talk about uh, are you guys ready to jump into Macau, what we see in Macau? yeah Yeah. all right so we go to macau which a lot of people were thinking from the trailers that this could be madripoor um and not madripoor this is not like these are not underground fights that are happening in mandripoor this is uh jayling uh we find out uh jayling his sister runs this underground fight club in macau called the golden daggers club and uh we see a um a bunch of different fighters in like these, like these glass, uh, plexiglass rooms fighting each other. And there's, I want to point out some of the Easter eggs in this. There's a woman and she's fighting a guy, uh, this shirtless dude and his chest is glowing like it's fire. Um, the woman, she's a stunt lady. Uh, we've seen her in, um, in, in another Marvel movie. Uh, her name is Jeju, and she played a widow in the black widow film. And mm-hmm. in the credits of this movie, it confirms that she's the same widow. She's listed as widow in this movie in Shang-Chi. Wow. And so you've got a, so this is, you know, think about like when black widow happened, that happened between civil war and between infinity war. So, if, and this is taking place in 2024, which is years later. Uh, after the snap, uh, she's now one of these widows. Like, what are happening to these widows? Where are these widows going? What are they doing now that they've been freed from the Red Room? Well, one of them have found their way into the Golden Daggers Club in Macau and is fighting in these fights. And not only is, is a widow fighting here, but the guy that is, has this glowing, like, fire-like orange chest – this is one of the extremist soldiers from I Iron Man just, 3. I was
1: just about to ask that. That was my thought when I saw the glowy red. I was like, that looks like the extremist stuff from Iron Man 3.
4: And it is. This is an extremist soldier who, uh, we, we, we didn't know if like all of them were gone. This is one that escaped. And so is fighting here in in Macau. Um, we get the uh, we get the uh big we finally get the get the confirmation here. It is a Wong and Abomination fight and they're fighting in the cage. This is like the, the main event, one of the main events, um, before we get to the bus boy uh <laughs> Ling fight. But I love it. Wong wins after making Abomination punch himself through a portal. <laughs> and not only that, not only that, but like abomination, of course, he looks different now, um but like why you know why are they fighting, why is Wong fighting abomination um Oh, let's talk about why he looks different. I got this from comicbook.com. This is a, a new interview. Shang-Chi and Legend of the Ring, uh, of the Ten Rings director Destin Daniel Cretton explains why Abomination's look has changed so drastically since the last time we saw the character in The Incredible Hulk. Quote, I think Abomination got a bit of an upgrade, or we might call it an evolution going through time. I do really love the design that we landed on for that character. He's big and scary and looks really cool. I can't really say anything about Abomination. And then he laughed. So, yeah, Abomination looks more comic book accurate in this, which is awesome. Why are they fighting? Um, this, this is... I sent Jake, I sent a, a Jake a, a kind of a cryptic message I, 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 about this movie. I said, now we know, now we know that Wong can definitely afford his tuna melts. Um, <laughs> uh, and Jake kind of, I think Jake got it. Um, they're definitely pulling off a scam. You can see Wong and Abomination, you know, talking to each other in the fight, kind of like, kind of like a wrestling match where they're trying to sneak in, like this. You know, Wong was like, you know, that hurt. You hit too hard. And um, at the end of this fight, you know, after Wong, you know, pulls off this this uh, portal move where Abomination punches himself. You know, they're basically everybody bet on Abomination. Most people bet on Abomination except for John John because he always bets on Asian. And I love John John. I love John John. I like oh, he's like that
1: yeah. actor is great. That actor is um Ronnie. Right. He's on the Daily Show, yeah. but Brian. He was also in Crazy Rich Asians. Yes, he was one of like the uppity friends. The one that yeah. keeps asking um moves character like, oh, are you part of like this like you know upper class Chinese family? He's going rattling off names, and um that's him. And um one of my favorite things is when she says, "I don't speak Chinese," and he says, "Oh, I speak ABC." He's, I love American-born Chinese.
4: Yeah, I, I, I absolutely I love that. I, I was, <laughs> I was dying when I heard him say ABC, and like all my audiences laughed at that line. Um, okay, Wait, why? I have
1: a question about the fight, though. I have a question about the fight. Sure. It almost seemed like Wong was training abomination. Uh, That's
4: what I but thought initially. Yeah, I, I, I think that I think here, here's what I think. I think that Wong is. I'll get into all that, but I do think that Wong was basically trying to get some money here because they gotta pay the bills. agree. we found out that, you know, Anthony Mackey's character wasn't getting paid for Iron Man. Uh, in the first Doctor Strange movie, like, Baron Mordo hands, uh, the, uh, Stephen Strange this little piece of paper and he's like, you know, what is this? And he's like, it's the Wi-Fi password. We're not like monsters or like whatever. He's, is his quote, <laughs> has Wi-Fi they've got to pay the bill somehow and I think like you got to pay the bills at the Sanctum Centorum you got to keep the lights on you got to pay property taxes these are things that like they, they can't <laughs> that you can't get away from it I don't care if you are Avengers I don't care if you are sorcerers and they're not gonna do things like you know like dark things in the book of Cagliostro that's gonna like bring them money and profit I feel like he feels comfortable enough doing scamming these little fights and using a little bit of magic to make a little bit of money on the side and um, I think that this is like a work release kind of thing for the Abomination. When they go through the portal together after like they get their money or whatever, you can look in the portal and it looks like it's the Raft prison from Civil War. I'm not a 100% sure. I can't confirm. But it does look like if you look in there, it looks like those are the prisons from the Raft that we saw in Civil War. So I think Abomination has been on the Raft. And I think that once we get to the She-Hulk series, which we know that Tim Roth is in that series, and I'm thinking that maybe Jennifer Walters, She-Hulk is going to be the one possibly defending Emil Blonsky, you know, the abomination in court. And then that's why Bruce Banner might show up in the series. He might be like, listen, Jennifer, you can't do this. This is a horrible idea. Blonsky doesn't deserve a pardon for for destroying Harlem. This is why are you doing this? And I think like maybe this is part of like Thunderbolt Ross's kind of, uh, you know, let him get out and for a little while, it's not going to hurt anything. Wong's a good caretaker. Wong can handle abomination and he's not going to escape. And maybe Blonsky doesn't want to escape because he's waiting to go to court to get a, possibly a full pardon. And I think Thunderbolt Ross might give him like a letter of recommendation and all these things. Because I think at the end of the day, Ross wants Val to recruit him to this Thunderbolts team that he's secretly forming. That's what I think possibly could be going on here.
1: Well, that makes sense. If, if, cause if it's, if it is the wrath, like that, um, Wong is taking him back to that makes sense. Then that, um, Ross, Secretary Ross, would, you know, authorize the transfer of, from, of Blonsky from Alaska, because that's where we thought Blonsky's been. Like that's where they put him, right in Alaska, and that he's kind of been there. Yeah, for a while,
4: that was so a, like, that was a that was an Agents of Shield kind of throwaway line. And I don't know. I, I I think that they might kind of like retcon that, and maybe he's been in the raft for a while.
1: Or Ross could just authorize that transfer. You know, in this sort of like, I think he's just secret,
4: I think he's just secretly doing it. Like nobody from fucking, you know, nobody's showing up to these fucking fights in Macaw. You know? Yeah. And, and so it's like this secret thing that he's going, got going on with Wong and Wong just kind of like gets him out of there just to think about like fucking abomination just sitting in a cell. Like he's got, he got to stretch his legs. And if he, and if he, and (laughs) and if he, and if he wants, and if he wants Abomination to be a part of like this Dark Avengers or Thunderbolts team, he wants him to get out there and probably train. And so maybe this is, this is part of the training that you guys were talking about.
5: Mm. Yeah, like he's trying to win his trust maybe or, or see how he'll react out there because. You know he definitely didn't have control of him at the end of the Incredible Hulk, no, but like he didn't have
4: control of him, but Blonsky, on the flip side, has more control over the abomination than than Bruce Banner ever did over the Hulk, yeah, but he, it's, yeah, he he's not consumed by this anger that just makes him like this fucking monster, like he can control himself, he knows what he's doing,
5: and on top of that, Blonsky was a trained fighter, yeah, that's true, yeah. Yeah.
1: So I have a question. So at the so because you know Wong shows up at the very end of the movie, right? And like when he says, "I'm Wong," like Shane Chi does, like he he kind of gets cut off, but he was just like Chang Chi says, "Yeah, I know, I'm a big fan." So it seems like even before like all of that, like like Chang Chi, like he knew who Wong was, but it like, seemed like in that during that moment in Macau, like it, there was no like he didn't you didn't see any like right like he didn't I think any he's... acknowledgement.
7: I think he was acknowledging um, just the, the the end game battle because I think everyone who was a part of that end game battle became celebrities.
1: Right, was, but, uh, but but yeah. see, I kind of I but they but they didn't show that recognition. Yeah, I comment. think like he I, just kind of scared sure. like what's I, happening.
4: I think I think we can kind of like chalk that off to he's a little bit more worried about like who he's going to be fighting in the ring than yeah
1: okay so you so know. he's going to be fighting an abomination type yeah like feature. if <laughs> I showed
4: up if I showed up to a match. You know, and, uh, I'm just thinking I'm going to be watching two MMA fighters and then all of a sudden Joe Rogan pulls me to the side and says, no, you're going to be getting into the ring after these guys. I'd be like, whoa, okay. All right. So I, <laughs> I, I, I have no, I, I don't care about the two guys in the ring right now. I'm thinking like, who the fuck am I going to be fighting? And I'm literally watching Wong fight Abomination. Who knows who they're going to have me fighting in this next match. So that's what I chalk it up to. Okay. So yeah, he fights his sister. Um, it was a total cheap his shot.
1: Uncle Hi- Fina bet on him. And it, his Uncle Fina bet bet against him.
4: It was a <laughs> what, his sister. It was a cheap shot when she knocked him out. But I totally understand why she did it. She was pissed. She oh, yeah. was pissed yeah. at Shang Chi, and so it was a total cheap shot. But I was just like, you know what? Uh, I'm glad she did it. He kind of deserved it in a way because. He just fucking, like, up and said, deuce, and he fucking left. He was out.
6: Yeah. Did well, you- and then, to have the nerve to be like, I'll be back in three days or whatever, and then just never come back. Or not I even, mean, like,
1: a letter. Like, not even nothing yeah of no, anything. No. Explaining, he, like, I gotta go. Like, I can't. He whatever. left her. He left her there
6: to just, I mean, she was completely abandoned at that point. Her mother died. Her father ignores her, basically. And her brother, who was the only one who cared about her, abandons her as well. I mean, is it any wonder she is angry and bitter and turned into the person that she did? I mean, she suffered incredible loss in her life.
4: Tristan, I felt like you had something to say.
7: No, I was just going to ask if if you guys felt that just from a uh, physical standpoint as far as fighting is concerned, no weapons involved, that they were just basically equals or that she was maybe even a little better than him.
4: Um, I, She says at one point in time that like when she was training, um, she would watch him train and she would be doing it basically in the shadows and doing it better. So, you know, um,
1: different, different fighting styles, which I appreciate because like Chong is like, he was, like trained, like actually trained to be a fighter, whereas his sister, she had to she was self taught. So with her I almost kind of saw like I don't want to say like a recklessness, but um like you know, you like you said, you know, the cheap shot that she uses to like knock him out though, like because she's self taught and because she wasn't like formally trained, like I think she would resort to more I guess dirtier measures in her fighting.
4: He was he was more defensive. He was he
5: wasn't
6: wanting to punch his sister. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
5: Understandably. I, I
1: was, was gonna <laughs> say there
6: were definitely moments you could see that he was holding back. He he didn't want to hit his sister, but she didn't feel the same way and she definitely took advantage <laughs> of of his okay. of his reticence to really, you know, unleash on her.
4: I mean, as far as like their skills and everything like that, I I mean I I, I I couldn't tell you who's, who's gonna be better. I just wanna, I wanna, I think that she kind of like, um, takes a little bit more after her father and, and maybe in this moment she could have beat him, but I feel like, like by the end of the movie we get a completely different Shang-Chi who's balanced and I think the balanced Shang-Chi could definitely defeat his sister if if they had to go to fucking bare knuckle boxing, you know? I mean, but I think well, that the, dynamics going to be very interesting in the future. Yeah. You know, just how that develops. Cause he wasn't balanced at the beginning of this movie. I think he was like, we talked about earlier, he's getting ready to kill death dealer in that moment. Very impulsive, very angry. And I, but by the end of the movie, like I, he's more balanced. And I think like, I think that's what kind of like sets him apart. Um, uh, from the beginning of the movie into the end of the movie, I think that just makes him like a a, a more skilled fighter. And um, by the time we get to the end of the film, so yeah, when Wu shows up, and I loved the whole um, bamboo scaffolding action scene. Also very mm-hmm. Jackie Chan reminiscent, and yeah, and um, I was I watching. <laughs> Watching the this was one of the coolest scenes to see in 3d also also another uh, because like the scaffolding like you're looking down and I I was sitting very close to the screen I wanted to make sure like I got I, I was really in in there and and was able to see all this stuff in 3d but like uh, the bamboo it looked uh, it gave you kind of like this sense of like vertigo because you're like way up there and you're looking down. And even like when Aquafina's hanging off the bamboo pole, I was just you could see it, it was it was like she was popping off the screen. And then like um, even in the even in the the main event fight in the cage with the glass, like there was like the 3D levels between like the the floor and the glass and like everybody that's watching. It was very cool to see all this shit in 3D. But that bamboo fight scene was fucking incredible. And I love I loved when um he's holding onto that guy and he's questioning him. And his sister just fucking like hits that guy and knocks him down. Yeah. And she's like, did America make you soft? And I was just yeah. like, I lost my shit because like, I even think like one of the, even one of the fighters did like the Wilhelm scream off of that fucking, off the scaffolding.
5: <laughs> oh, that would yeah. be a perfect placement for it.
4: Uh, I loved it. That bamboo fighting scene was just fucking spectacular. It was so cool. Like all, it was like, it, it all these fucking like martial arts action scenes just like sucked me into this movie and made me love it even more.
1: And then I even totally with Aquafina jumping out, like was it was it Death Dealer that she jumps out in front of and tries. No, to it was just it was just a top
4: random. Top uh, it oh, was,
1: when she tries the Hotel California. Bitch. <laughs> <laughs> that was great. Did
4: you guys notice that the weapons that the Ten Rings were using were glowing blue? Do you think that
5: the that
4: some of the power from the rings was transferred from Wenwu into those weapons or do you just think it's their technology?
5: I had questioned that as well because it was curious that they were both the same color, but I it must be just some sort of tech that they came up with.
4: Yeah, but it, I mean, could he imbue objects with that power? Cuz like, think about the end battle in Talo where it's like the all the all the weapons that the people of Talo are using are, you know, dragon scale. And it just made me think: like, is this? It, 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 if it is imbued with the power of the rings, is this a battle of? Hmm, is this maybe a
5: ba- it is? Maybe, maybe he's able to like go up to a weapon that's been forged and just you know point the ring at it and yeah. blast it with power, and then it, it glows. Or like just a big chunk of steel and you yeah. know, imbue that with power. And but then all the these weapons, weapons are forged
4: from those it. weapons were useless against the creatures from the dark dimension.
5: Now yeah. I have a question.
1: So to me, those their weapon. My first when I saw their weapon, um, my first thought was like they they look like the Chitauri weapons from the first Avengers
5: movie,
1: you know. And they kind of had the similar properties, like they were like essentially sort of, like overpowered
5: tasers. Yeah, they seem to just they, shock people like a taser. Yeah, right? and
1: that's kind and that's kind of what those like Chitauri weapons did. And then I started thinking, well, you know, we know that you know Chitauri weapons were sold on the black market for years.
4: Yeah. Maybe he was so, involved in some of that, some of his business dealings or something. I yeah, don't know. Yeah. Like
1: Adrian Toom Cause maybe not directly from Adrian, but I mean, it, or is that his name? Um, Yeah. The vulture. Michael Ke- Yeah. It, so maybe not directly, but maybe through intermediaries, he maybe got some of this Chitauri technology yeah. on the black market.
4: Yeah. No, that's interesting. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, I guess... I don't know. What do you guys want to talk about next? Do you want to talk about... I mean, do you want to get into Talo?
1: Or I do love, like, when they go back to the compound, and it's like (laughs) they sit down, and they have the meal. Oh, yeah. Explaining, you know, and then the dad kind of explains, like, his history. One of the things that I... that I love, though, is when, um... you know, he's talking to and her name's Katie, and then he's like, what is your Chinese name? And... There's that sort of derision that he has. Yeah. You know, towards her because she's going by it's, her it's, American name. It's bigoted. The, it, very bigoted.
4: And And you can like see, see the, she knows yeah. this. You can see the look on her face, and that's why she's really good with her facial expressions too.
1: She's like shamed. Like she, she feels ashamed in that moment.
4: Sure. Yeah. And she and says like, she basically I says she's like that. she goes into her Chinese name, it's Ren Wen and and he's got this smug look on his face the entire fucking time. Yep. Yeah. I, you're yeah. less
1: than because you're Western. Yeah. And that's why, like, the one thing that I kind of wish they had done, a, like, so when she says, when she when they go into the Fight Club and she's like, I don't speak Chinese. Like, I feel like there would have been more, like, from uh, Chan from John John. He kind of, I mean, he says I speak ABC, but, like, I kind of was hoping, like, he'd have, like, a little, like, look of, like, ugh. American more. I guess he does. Yeah, I I think think they wanted this way.
4: I think they just wanted to save that for when we get to Wenwu. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I get that all the time. Like, I mean, I do. I get that so much from like my um, my parents friends who are from Korea and they. And whenever I, you know, do see like my family from Korea, if they ever come over and visit, there is this sense of like you could tell they're like, God, you're so American. Mm. And it's there's like this sort of like they're. Like, I'm not necessarily part of, like, the family just because of that. Like, it's my sister and I, like, we were the first, like, we were the first American-born, like, family members in our, like, on both sides of the family. And so, like, throughout my whole life, like, I know that feeling of, like, disappointment. <laughs>
4: <laughs> yeah, I like but I like with this movie and it doesn't really say it, but I I like in this movie how like, you know, you've got Shang-Chi who's lived in America since he was fourteen and you know Aquafina's character what you know lives in America. Um, and They can embrace both cultures though, because you can totally tell that they just I think they both fall in love with Ta Lo. Oh yeah. (laughs) You know, like from the moment that they get there, like (laughs) I wanted to see more of it of the relationship between Guan Bo and Aquafina in this movie when they get to talk, I fucking I love Bo. He's like this, he's like this grumpy old fucking man. And I <laughs> and, and I like like when 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 she hits the target and she's like, oh, you see that, you see that
1: Guambo? that was tight.
4: And he just looks at her like with the thing, <laughs> shaking his head. Like, this, oh my god! Oh my god! Pretty right. Much like
1: get off my lawn. Like when they show up, he's literally like get off my lawn.
4: Did it take you guys back for a moment when when uh when when Wu calls him young man? And then you realize that the, yes. this guy has lived a thousand
6: years. Yes, yeah. that was. Yes. Oh, I, I actually, I actually really loved that line because it did. It does take you a second to be like, oh shit, he is thousands of years <laughs> yeah. old.
4: <laughs> yeah,
6: yeah. That's one thing that the
4: movie didn't. We really don't know how old he is. Like he's. Didn't the mother in like the narration at the beginning say that like his his like the his legacy lasted for thousands of years, but then we hear like in the movie it was for a thousand years. So I was a little confused by that.
6: Yeah, I think that it's it is it is very um sort of vague how long he's had it. It's at least a thousand years, but it could also be more than that. Yeah. And I think they leave it vague, and, and Brian, you alluded to this earlier. I think that it's been left vague on purpose, like how he actually got the rings, how long he's had the rings. Um, like, we saw what the rings could do, you know, a lot of stuff, but, like, um, beyond, like, you know, to how do they bond to a person, like, who can give them to, like, why could the father give it to the son? Is it, like, the rings will just go to anybody, or it has to be... I, Given to somebody and, and, and I know yeah. you talked about like, like being worthy to have them too. Um, but I think they've left all that a little on the vague side so that they can explore that in a future movie. Do you, do, here's my question. Do you,
4: there's always, a, there's this talk of like, you know, like, uh, legacy and, and family and stuff like that in this movie and like him passing. Are you going to be worthy for the rings one day? At the end of the day, do you think Wenwu Wu would have ever given shang the rings?
6: If his wife had lived and if their life had continued as happy as it seems to have been, I, I think he would have. I do. Um, I think you could make an argument for the other side of that. I think you could easily make an argument of like he might at the last minute seize them back and be like, no, I want this power for myself after all. Like I think you could also see that. But I think –
4: but it never felt like there was going to be any future training of him, like, using the rings. Like, they felt like they were going to be in that box, locked away, and that's it. Like we're-
1: I, I That's cry. kind of what I thought, too. Like, it was like a past, like, for him, I think the rings represented a time when he was a domineering, like, I like, get warlord, right? Like, he did a oh. bunch of bad things. Yeah. All he wanted was domination. And then he meets his wife, who, you know, and he realizes there's more living for. So, for me, I thought that the rings, like, had his wife, you know, did, if she wasn't, if she didn't die... You know, like see, she, but I, would have, they would have stayed locked away forever.
3: I
6: I could have seen him waiting until he felt like maybe his son was old enough to be like, okay, now I'm going to start training you and show you the power of these rings, um, because like there, there's that scene like in that in that sort of. Um, exposition, well, well, one of the many exposition scenes when he's holding his newborn son, right? He's standing by the window, he's holding that baby and he's looking at this child and he's realizing that, like, the path that he had been on of just conquering and destroying and doing all this, it, it there needed to be more. This child represented now a legacy that he could have beyond just killing and destruction. I think... If his wife had lived and they continued to work together, like with the kids, I think he would have eventually given him the rings, and I think the son would have done other things with them. But I think that. Yes, he was going to pass on that legacy because he really did want to grow old with his wife. He wanted to have sort of that completed end of his story with this woman. And, and I, I do. I think he, I think he would have passed them on.
4: Interesting. I don't know. It's, that's interesting. And I can't really argue that. I just feel like, like what if, what if natural, <laughs> now we're getting into what ifs. What if natural causes, like she dies first, like, is he still left with like this grief and like I don't know, like
1: That's a great I don't question. So. I don't that, think so. I think it was something like if she died, like if they were older, right? Like and if they're like at the point where like 80, 90 years old and she dies like naturally, right? Like natural causes. I think at that point it's like but because they were still both so young and it she was and she was murdered essentially. Like it was yes. unexpected, it was and she was murdered in a brutal fashion. You know, whereas if they were able to grow all together, that is something that you yeah. can deal with
6: it, better it's yeah. also his past coming back to bite him in the ass that yeah. got his wife murdered mm-hmm. right he he was off at like trader joe's or whatever buying groceries <laughs> yeah. and, and she someone <laughs> exactly. like trader joe's bags or something and, <laughs> and she's you know he, he she paid the con she paid the price for his life of conquering and and warmongering and all that yeah stuff, right here's and and
4: oh go ahead hmm. sorry
6: no, I was just going to say that I I think um I I I like the scenario that you're putting forth June of that like you know she grows old naturally he started he's growing old with her it's like they're 80 90 years old and she passes away you could kind of imagine like a, a a an older man like on his deathbed or or in his sickbed and telling his son you know I've lived a good full life I loved your mother she was a good woman and blah 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 and now I can rest easily because I know you're going to care like that to me I could see that happening um but I don't think. But I also think that with his character being as volatile as he is, I mean, I'm not saying you can't make an argument for the other way. You, you can. I think you can make an argument that he would have snatched the rings back. But for me, my head canon is that he would have passed them on.
4: Okay, here's here's what I here's what I think. I think like when you look, what r- the rings represented to him, it was not. It was enough that it was not a good time in his life that he's found something better, that he's ready to give them up. If he never had any intent on ever using the rings again, and if he knows the pain that the rings caused him in his life, why would he want to pass that down to his firstborn? Why not just say, you know what, these rings, it's a power that we cannot wield. It is not meant for us. Why not just take the rings, uh, to talo and leave them there with the people of talo and have them you know be like the protectors of the rings so that it never gets into the hands of somebody else that's going to use it for just domination and taking over civil you know like civilizations and 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 like we saw him like with the rings like he's going to france and fucking uh you know fighting french soldiers and throughout time just been building like this huge fucking uh uh world dominating 10 rings and then he gives it all up, and I feel like there's a reason that he gave it all up. Why not just get rid of the rings altogether? Take them to Talo, get rid of them. Why pass that down? Why pass down that pain uh, hmm. to your child?
5: I think he yeah. held them for so long that there's a part of him that he couldn't imagine ever getting rid of them. Mm-hmm. And that's why they just got put in an ornamental box. And, and why give it to the and, fucking and put pe- away. Why give it to the people that fucking said that
4: I can't live there?
5: Exactly and we heard him say that you know he wanted yeah. to make sure his son would be strong enough to hold them so that nobody else would be able to take him from him I'm sure in his mind he thinks that as long as he's drawing breath he's the strongest person But that like all that caring. all that talk happens after the wife is dead I still think right. that, that that's still part of his, 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 you know, it's part of his character and he carried him for a thousand years. Yeah. And even the, mother, even the mother, even the mother is talking to him about being like, didn't the mother talk about him
4: one day possessing the rings themselves?
6: Yeah. The mother did. Oh, that's right. She but, I, but see that, that, that's why I'm saying, or, or that's why I feel the way that I do is that I think the mother saw the rings or her relationship with the Father as a way for them to use the rings in a different way. Right. Because the rings are incredibly powerful. They also give you eternal life while you're wearing them. Imagine the good that somebody could do with that power to build up an army or to build up resources. You could end world hunger. You could end you could end the problems of people having access to clean water. Like you could do good things with them if you chose to. He just chose to use them to conquer and gain power and money.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the story that I want. I want to know why when we went down this path. I want to know. And I think that yes. goes into who he was before he got the rings. And I think the, the reason he got the rings was a shameful reason. I don't think that it's a good thing uh that happened. I, like I said I don't think he went through these trials and and earned these rings in like this uh ceremonial and just way. I think he earned them in a shameful way and he was never worthy of the rings. And I don't think Shang-Chi was worthy of the rings until we get to the end of this movie and he's fighting on the right side of uh, on the right side of justice here at the end. So Yeah,
6: I would I would love to see how Wenwu got the rings. Yeah. I, I love I think that is a huge, you know, the the movie really does yada yada over it, but I think that there there has to be a plan to go back and talk about that and explore that deeper. I think I think you're really onto something, Brian, with him getting it in in a shameful way and then never really being worthy of them. Yeah. yeah, I think there's a. I think that there's something there with that, and I'd love to see that story.
4: His wife yeah, doesn't even I, know. His wife doesn't even know. I, I think he's sh- ashamed of how he got him, and he doesn't want to. Yeah, that's not that's not pillow talk between him and his wife. Like, yeah. oh yeah, I took him but off the, a. I took him off a dying celestial being. You know.
1: <laughs> yeah, or it gets to be like you know, and actually to counter my own argument, like if the wife had died like naturally, you know, in old age or something, you know what though? Like if she died first. You know, it might that actually could be something where he's suddenly facing he suddenly like faces his own mortality. Right. And the rings. Give you immortality that could scare him like he could put the rings back on say if His wife did like die naturally in old age, but that could make him face his immortality and that could scare him. You know?
4: I honestly you see know. it with if 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 he thinks that she's dying, I could honestly see him having a conversation with her to put on the rings to keep her alive.
1: Oh, yeah, that too, but also keep in keep
7: in mind that you know this guy was you know the quote unquote mandarin the the terrorist he had all those debts. It's like you have to kind of keep your weapon handy in case your past comes back to haunt you like it did,
4: yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, let's. uh
1: Speaking it, of him being the Mandarin, though the Trevor Slattery stuff. Okay, so do you guys? Did you guys watch? I'm sure you did the one. The Marvel they don't do these anymore. but the one shot, the Marvel, yeah. 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 The Marvel uh, one it was, shot. Yeah,
4: it was called Hail to it was called Hail to the King, and it, and they just uh last week put it on Disney Plus for people to watch.
1: Oh, they did. Yes, okay, because I watched it a while ago, but I do remember like that's where you see them breaking Trevor Slattery like out of jail.
4: Well, that's, basically, it's a member, I believe a member of the Ten Rings is probably delivering him to Wenwu. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, let's talk about, let's, I guess let's talk about Like we're in uh, Wenwu's compound and we get introduced to Trevor Slattery. Like, my audience went, my first audience that I saw this with uh went fucking nuts when we saw him. Um, <laughs> Same. I knew, I, I knew he was going to be in the movie because, uh. Um, Handy Greg actually sent me like some pictures that had been removed off the internet of him in talo So I knew he was going to be in the movie, oh, but I didn't know to what capacity. Uh, but uh, no
1: reaction in my theater, by the way, I was the only person.
4: My third experience June, when I saw it in 3d, nobody yeah. did a fucking thing. Like
1: it was only me though. I was the only person. This was like Thursday night. Like this is like the opening night. And not a single per- I, I was the only one, like, I laughed at- I went, oh my god, and I laughed out loud, and like, silence, from yeah.
4: everyone else. My, uh, oh my- I would not trade my, uh, advanced screening experience for anything in the world. My crowd was amazing. You could tell, like, everybody here was like, MCU nuts and they got every joke they got every you know like when the at the end when when we hear uh Banner's voice and then they sh- sh- you know pan over to Banner people lost their shit all I, I was like oh <gasps> I heard gasps it was mm-hmm. it, it was awesome and then when and then when I they showed none of
2: that
4: then when they showed Brie Larson as Captain Marvel my everybody was like holy shit it was just like it just got amped up even more we were just like holy fuck we knew something huge was happening here I I wouldn't trade that experience for the world. So it was very cool. You're
1: so lucky because most of my actually, I mean, there were only like 50, 60 people in the theater. Most of them actually left when the movie ended. I was, so I was like, clearly you guys are not MCU because like, I mean, they, I'm like, hello, mid credit scene, post credit scene. Like most of them left. There are only a few people who stayed. And even those who stayed like no reaction to Bruce Banner, no reaction to Carol Dan, like nothing.
4: Yeah, I was kind I of like I
1: was at an theater.
4: I was at an advantage like the second time I saw this movie because like I I'm there and I'm also waiting for like these key moments to happen and I'm waiting for like these reactions of people and people let me fucking down so mm-hmm. hard. <laughs>
1: I was let down. Yeah, you, I was
7: like wow. yeah, you, you can always tell when you're in a a group of MCU fans
4: or not. Yeah. Oh yeah, like my end game crowd was uh incredible on opening night. But yeah, we get Trevor, and and then we get Morris, and I love <laughs> oh. I love Morris so fucking much. Um, uh, Morris is actually uh, you know he's called a chicken pig by Aquafina, uh, yeah. but he's actually a, a Dijang. It, it's pronounced I think Dijang, and um, it's a, a chaos creature from Chinese mythology. And um, they look different in some drawings and things like that. But I love the way they did Morris in this movie. And I love that. so cute. I love. So cute. I was put back. I was, I was, I, at first I was like, what the fuck is this thing? I was kind of taken aback because like, I was like, Oh my God. Like, where does it start? And where does it end? Like, what the fuck is going on here? I didn't know what the fuck I was looking at. Like, like, is that its butt? Is that its butt? Where's its face? I, I was like, this thing is disturbing. I was disturbed by it. It was like an HR Geiger design that he tried to make look like a care bear or something. I was like, I didn't know what the fuck was going on here. But once it started to like communicate with Trevor, I was like, I love this fucking thing. (laughs) and, um, you know, like even the part when they're right before they get into the entrance of Talo and he's like talking about how you know how can how can we understand this creature from another realm, and like it's it's it's, it's intricate it ways and in all this shit. And he's like, "Oh, you can go now. You can go now." I was like, I was, was like, lo- "Oh, and Trevor, Trevor, when he's talking about like his love for acting and how he saw Planet oh of God. the Apes, <laughs> <laughs> and how how oh they taught God. and how they taught That's the." Still- a- apes to ride horses I was losing my shit if
1: they could do it if if they could get apes to do it I could do it too
6: (laughs) but you know what's great about you know what's great about that whole scene is he's telling this insanely ridiculous stupid story and Aquafina's just like yeah dude you found your passion and you're pursuing that's great she's so supportive yeah. she-
4: well that's like yeah that's been that was kind of like her character story arc throughout this like exactly. she doesn't care about the asinine bullshit he's spewing here it's more of like what you know the whole point behind it is <laughs> I, mean, I love it's it
6: it's just great that he thought that they taught the monkeys to act <laughs> yeah <to> right
1: <ride. laughs> like that's just that's just, it's just the best. I also love, it's, it's I also. Because as he's talking about it first, though, you think like he's in awe of the effects, right? Of the costuming and the makeup and everything. Yeah. And then it just devolves into stupidity. you <laughs> yeah. like, wow.
4: I also love it when like they're going through the entrance. <laughs> they're going through the entrance. And Trevor keeps saying, stay in the pocket stay yes. <laughs> stay stay in the pocket stay in, stop saying stay in the pocket i i i, was I, so, uh, I kept thinking like if there's a shang chi video game and this is a level you're gonna keep hearing trevor say stay in the pocket stay in the pocket, yes. in the
7: pocket. yeah i was so impressed by uh sir ben kingsley's performance here like i thought kind of like rebecca was mentioning before i was like oh man here's the Here's the Western actor that they're throwing in here to, you know, to, to keep American audience on their feet. Like, like, like
4: Martin was, Freeman in uh, Black Panther.
2: Uh-huh.
7: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. But it was like, man, he was not only did I laugh the m- most at Trevor lines. I, I, you know, I thought Sir Ben Kingsley being a he's an Academy Award winning actor. You know, and he just really like was not like he was not phoning this in. He was giving his all to this performance.
6: I agree. He definitely he definitely gave his all. I thought it was very I thought it was great that he came back to play this character of Trevor again. Um, You know, so many years later and and Iron Man 3 definitely, I think, is not as uh, uh, beloved as most of the Marvel movies are. But everyone remembers yeah. They do. They do. Yeah. And I think, um, I think it was very great that he came back to play this role and he really threw himself into it. And I felt like the movie never overused him. I, that, that was my fear. When he showed up in the film, I thought they were going to overuse him and make him like the comic relief. And I'm like, we already have Aquafina. Like she's great in what she's doing. Like we don't need this guy, but it was just enough for me that it, it just, it, it was never. Over the top. I'm gonna Uh, add
1: so funny is that with some ways when I hear you guys like I've heard like all uh, of like people on PCL talk about like that moment in Iron Man three when you realize the Mandarin, Trevor Slattery and that it's just he's a paid actor and how disappointing that was. But for me as a non comic book reader like that was really funny stuff in Iron Man 3. Like I actually really liked that character in Iron Man 3, but I didn't have that background.
4: Here's, here's my question. I, I want to ask this question. I want to get your answers and then we're going to take a break. I feel like you guys might want to take a break here. Um, my question is, does this movie coupled with Hail to the King, um, does, this make iron man three a better movie for you and i'm gonna say this it makes me i haven't revisited iron man three since i watched it the two times i saw it in theaters uh eight years ago i i'm going to watch it again eventually uh i was let down because it's like iron man's biggest villain in the comics and then they turned it into this joke does this redeem all that? It, for me, halfway does. It halfway does because we'll never. Because th- here's the thing. We're never going to get to see like Wenwu versus Iron Man, which I would have always loved to have seen something. For
7: one second, like that. I thought that Tony Stark was behind the Iron Gang somehow. Uh, just for a second. I thought they were going to tie that in.
4: Yeah. Um, yeah.
7: But yeah.
4: Does it, does it redeem? And maybe it doesn't need redemption for you because June uh, sounds like she enjoyed Iron Man 3 regardless. But for those of you that I want to hear from those of you that weren't that were kind of let down by the the Trevor Slattery actor reveal in Iron Man 3. Did this uh, did this make Iron Man 3 a better movie? Joe, your thoughts. Did you like Iron Man 3 to begin with? Did this not really do anything?
5: Iron Man 3 is my least favorite of the Iron Man movies. Um, I, I wasn't like flat out in, insulted by the, the switch out of the Mandarin actually being an actor named Trevor uh, because I just wasn't super familiar with the source material from the comics. But it, it did feel like they played it off more of a, as a joke. And I, I I don't know. There was just certain elements of that movie I didn't like. But, but the way that they took Trevor's character in this, it makes me like that part of Iron Man 3 more and – so overall, it does raise that movie up for me a little bit. There's still other problems that I have with that movie. It still doesn't make sense to me that he blows up all of those suits, and then the, all those suits could have been really handy in Age of Ultra the reason reason that they The
4: reason that they blew up all the suits is because they did not have Robert Downey Jr., under, con- right. under contract for future films. And so they wanted to tie up all loose ends um, in, just in case they could not get him signed to more films.
1: But that That's kind of right. I remember you saying though. that. Like, I get that like, if you're not sure if you're going to get RDJ going forward – I feel like that was kind of over the top though trying to like they just didn't wrap well they up.
4: didn't want it to be they, listen they didn't want it to be um I said listen like damn damn you listen to me <laughs> um, I hate it when I do that and I apologize when I do that to people it's it's a bad habit of mine but anyway um they did it because I don't think that they wanted to use those suits in future storylines where, like, villains are like, ooh, let's try to, you know, uh, bust into uh, Iron Man's, you know, uh compound and, and take... Uh, the suits, or they didn't want the government to, to go in there and, and maybe Tony was worried about the government, you know, you know, Ross or, or, or somebody trying to get access to those suits. I just think that they don't, they did not want to make that part of the future MCU storyline. So they just wanted to say, you know what? If we can't get this guy back, we're just going to separate ourselves from Iron Man and just blow the fuck out of this thing and get rid of it.
5: Yeah. Yeah, and all that makes sense. I guess I totally forgot all that stuff with it. Uh but just in term of of in terms of Trevor's character, I I liked it a lot and I'd be open to seeing him, you know, float into a future movie if they could somehow do it. But I also feel like him and Morris are now like a package deal. Oh god, and yes. I, I wonder if Morris will speak for him and he'll get to stay in Talo. <laughs> <laughs> oh
4: god. I oh I would love for trevor to just like live in talo i feel. oh my
1: god he'd do little performances for them like he'll be there like <laughs> you know like he'll just put on little face yeah
4: and... but we won't get to see guan Bo roll his eyes at everything that he does i know
1: <laughs>
4: <laughs> rebecca did this did yeah, this uh, oh go ahead no go ahead tristan
7: Oh, no, I was just gonna say, I laughed audibly when uh the battle was coming, and they show fricking Trevor standing there as if he's gonna be of any assistance to anyone.
4: Yeah, and then he just lays down dead. <laughs> <laughs> that,
1: he, that got such a huge laugh. In my yeah,
4: portfolio. yeah. Every theater
7: and experience
1: then I
4: Morris, went to, and
1: then Morris rolls over on his back and pretends he's dead. Yeah, he's
4: dead. <laughs> yeah. When he, when he plays Possum, like my whole theater loved that. Um, but uh Rebecca did. Did this do anything to, like, redeem Iron Man 3 in your eyes?
6: You know, I'll, I don't know if I would use the word redeem, but I, I will say that the second that this movie was over, I turned to my sister, who I saw the movie with, and I said, well, now I want to rewatch Iron Man 3, which I have never said in all of the years since Iron Man 3 came out. So, I, I mean, d- did it, it made me want to revisit the movie, which I hadn't done in ages. Yeah. So. I mean it in I, I don't know if it says it redeems it, but it, it does make me want to go back and revisit that film and look at Trevor's performance now um through different eyes and to yeah. see what it will do it I don't know if it'll redeem it because there is a I think in my opinion a lot wrong with that movie, but I think it may redeem a little bit of the Mandarin maybe stuff. maybe the word
4: uh, enhance your experience. maybe that is you like know, better.
6: I feel like it may do that. I I, I think it'll do that for me yeah. um, personally. But I uh, I do think it was very clever to mention early earlier on about you know how he's had many names and he mentions the Mandarin and of course in your mind you go oh god Iron Man three and then <laughs> they show you Trevor like in the next couple scenes. It's I think it's a great move, um, and then. Yeah, so I, I actually want to go back and rewatch Iron Man three, so uh, I'll be doing that in the in the coming coming days and, and see how it enhances my experience. Hopefully. And
4: before we take our break, Tristan, what did, I mean, what are your thoughts on Iron Man three? And did this maybe enhance your experience?
7: You know what? I've only seen Iron Man three one time, um, two thousand thirteen, and it was you know it was fine. Like, it wasn't a film that I wanted to watch over and over again. Um, it wasn't also a film that I hated because of the Mandarin reveal, but I think that I was a little let down that we never... I, I think part of that let down experience was based on the fact that I thought we would never see the Mandarin. So the fact that we do get a, you know, fully realized version of the Mandarin somehow in this film definitely helps.
4: Yeah, I... I... And I know people thought I was crazy, but I I always thought that, like, you know, the Mandarin is kind of like – and I know, like, Iron Man was, like, a B-level character in the comics. And, like, it's hard to compare, like, you know, Iron Man-Mandarin to the dynamic between Batman and Joker. But I always felt like if you are going to do that, Mandarin was definitely Iron Man's Joker. And in this movie, it's like basically if you had a Batman movie and you find out by the end of the movie, Batman's been battling Joker and it's not Joker. It's just some random sociopath that happens to take on the mantle of Joker and is fooling us the entire time. And on top of that, you really enjoyed the performance of the Joker up until that big reveal, which I loved the performance of Ben Kingsley when he was like what we thought the Mandarin was in the Iron Man three movie. Like when he's blowing up his house and shit, I'm just like, Holy fuck, man, this is insane. Like Iron Man, this is, yeah, this is a villain that's really going after Tony. And I loved it. And then, then they pull the rug out from underneath us. I was just like, man, it just pissed me off. It pissed me off that, 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 that they did that. I would say that this movie enhances my experience now. Like, I will go back and watch Iron Man 3, probably through a different fucking lens than I did the first time. Just like, you know, because I was loving that movie up until that reveal. Like, that that reveal ruined the entire movie for me. And I, I hate to be that guy. But, you know, that's just how I was watching this movie. I felt like they they took away his – I thought that they were doing – his arch nemesis justice in this movie. I was like, Holy shit, Mandarin's it's a threat. This is an amazing villain. I've never seen Tony. So down and out, Holy fuck. I'm. And then it's just like, then it turns into like this, this extremist virus. And then it goes from like, you know, Tony basically saying, you know, I don't need the suits. And then he's using like his MacGyver ingenuity to create all this stuff to like battle, you know, um, uh, Guy Pierce's character at the end of this movie and what ends up defeating Guy Pierce at the end of that movie, his fucking girlfriend who's been infected with the extremis virus. So I was like, this whole movie, you've been saying he doesn't need the suits. He could do this on his own, but it's his fucking girlfriend. And that has nothing to do with taking away from female empowerment. It has something to do with taking away from the whole message that you had this yeah. entire movie. And that's what burns be. me up.
1: Then I had problems with like how they just like hand waved like oh she's cured now yeah just, like, yeah and, like, yeah just, like and that one minute like narrate like narrated like and monologue thing where he's like oh yeah I took the shrapnel out got surgery you know shrapnel gone I don't need the arc reactor in my chest anymore Pepper yeah no more extremis virus and it's like but then the whole movie you're like this I didn't think there was a cure. Like once you're like once they inject it in you, like it's in you forever. And then but it was like,
3: nope,
6: not a cure. Oh, you know that surgery that, that 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 he could never do, and so I had to invent this entire suit to save my life? Oh, they just did that surgery now. It's yeah. <laughs> there's a lot wrong with that
4: movie. Yeah. 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 <laughs> wasn't that wasn't that that was a that was a Shane Black directed. It Iron Man. sure yeah, Shane was. was. yeah who who's hit or miss with me um let's uh take a quick break we're gonna come back i want to jump into talo i want to fucking jump into this world and i'll talk about my experience of uh, seeing talo uh in 3d (laughs) so uh quick break oh somebody said something i said cool oh cool rebecca said cool cool All right, we'll We'll be right back.
3: Hi, I sound like Morgan Freeman. I bet most of you do some online shopping with Amazon. It's just so easy. I myself logged in today to buy adult diapers. No, I'm not embarrassed. I have zero shame, and I really don't give a fuck what you think. I'm at that age. You'll get here, too, one day. And don't think that you won't, you naive asshat. One day, you too will be just like Jamie Lee Curtis. and shitting your body weight and denim yogurt, and the next thing you know, you'll be on Amazon ordering adult diapers saying, holy shit, that freckled face fucker was right. Anyway, the whole point of this is to tell you that PopCultureLeftovers.com has an Amazon shopping link. What that means is when you click on the link from their website, it helps the show. It doesn't charge you extra at all. You just shop like you regularly would, and Amazon takes care of the rest. It's easy and convenient, just like these diapers. I literally blew up this diaper while recording this ad. Hashtag truth. All right. Hey, welcome back. Uh, if you want to see something
4: frightening, Google Donkey Kong, and you will see a picture of... uh a shaved Donkey Kong. Completely shaved Donkey Kong. One of the first things that pops up. is frightening as hell. has nothing to do with Shang-Chi. Just wanted to let people know that somebody took the time to completely shave Donkey Kong, and it is frightening. It looks like Homer Simpson on steroids. Nude. Do with that what you will. Do with that what you will. I like to say stuff and get zero reaction from people. Just like take them on. I thought we were talking about Shang-Chi, you're talking about a completely shaven uh Donkey Kong. It is weird
2: looking.
4: I think some people thought we were going to go into one of our manscaped ads that is not Happening right now.
5: Interesting choice that he keeps the tie on. Though. He keeps the tie on, and I love how they put
4: the they put the black bar around his dick.
5: Yeah. <laughs> it's a pretty short bar, too. So yeah. sorry, Donkey Kong. Yeah, it is. I it's, wonder he's it's, so it's, angry.
4: It's not on, going so. vertically. It's actually going horizontally. So
5: <laughs> They should have done it vertically, like shirtless bear fighter. Yeah. Donkey Kong is a grower,
4: not a shower. So... <laughs> Guys, uh, I wanna jump into our first experience of going into Talo, and I'm gonna say that once we were in Talo, this is, like, the 3D was really cool, but like the 3D, like, in my third viewing when I saw it in 3D, the 3D really popped in Talo, and it was fucking beautiful, and like, I think like, you know, in the advanced screening bonus episode, I, I said, you know, like, it, it did. It kind of like made me, I remember like the first time I saw this is since insane, but I remember the first time I saw Jurassic park and seeing like the dinosaurs and shit, this was not on that level, but it was really fucking close. Just seeing like these, you know, mythological Chinese creatures come to life. You know, we see the, the nine tailed white Fox, the Huli Jing. We see the, the Fu dogs, which we'd seen in the trailers and they look incredible here. And I love seeing them. We see the vermilion birds, the like, they're almost like Phoenix birds, um, the uh, Longma, which is that uh, horse dragon that stops in front of their you know razor fists. Loved those. <laughs> I loved those too. The facial expressions and and even like when you're watching it and like you know they 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 they're laying down and then they stand up and they make they look like horses. They just they sound like horses. And watching them run away, it just was so fucking cool. It makes you like, did they do motion capture on horses to do this? It was very fucking cool.
1: Like Um, the little two tailed dog, the little, the white dog with like the two tails. No, they had
4: nine tails. Those were, those were the Huli Jing, the, the nine tailed white foxes. They,
1: They had puppies. They were cute. And I wanted one.
4: Yeah, I went to petfinder.com and I could not find any June. I know, so sad. <laughs> I want one. I
1: know.
4: Cute. And any that I post about wanting one, uh people think I'm a crazy person. I also want
1: <laughs> I also want
4: I also wanted a pet magui as a child, June. <laughs> Just saying. I wanted my own gizmo as a child.
1: I had I a stuffed gizmo.
4: Yeah, we had a we had a lassa opsa named Timmy. And he, when you put his ears up, he looked like Gizmo. Oh,
0: so awesome. cute.
4: And, uh, oh, I don't want to get into that. It's a sad story. He'd end up drinking paint thinner and passed away after two oh, years. No. Oh, God. Yeah. It tore me up. Um, yeah, but, uh, all the creatures in Talo, uh, just fucking incredible. And like, it doesn't stop there. I love it when we get to the great protector and we see, um, the great protector that that dragon and uh uh i i everything about talo just the look the the buildings the structures the the um, you know the 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 lake that they have there um, their way of life like i was like i was ready to give up everything and like live there I was just like, I would give up I would give up social media and Wi Fi and I want to live in Talo. I was thinking to my I'm not even kidding you. I was thinking to myself when I was watching this movie, yes, I would give up everything to live in this village. This just (laughs) I I feel like the people that live in Talo are just connected to that world. And guys, it's in another dimension. This is not part of Earth. Like When we see them, once they, once they go through, you know, uh, Trevor and Morris guide them through the pocket to get to the entrance, and then they go through the waterfall, Um, on the other end of that cave, uh, we see like this water portal open up. So like these people are very connected to like the earth elements. Cause like we even see Nan using like almost like airbender type, um, Uh you know, uh, fighting styles and things like that. Very element connected, uh, this world of Talo, um, even like the dragon with the water, but we see like this water portal open up and they, they're in another dimension. This is not part of earth. And like, they even refer to earth as like, you know, you know, um, uh, another world, basically um, yeah, but we learn like this whole story about um, the uh, the dark gate and I guess this mega soul sucker, and they take us through like uh, um, this story about like how they had battled it before, and uh, the tide was turned when uh, the great protector from their world battled uh, the mega soul sucker and then you know pushed him back through the dark gate, and they put up like the 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 dragon scale um, a wall to to keep them out. Um, how how much is this going to be a big part of the MCU going forward? This dark dimension. Do we think like maybe whatever we experienced here in the dark dimension could be like a maybe a future villain that we see set up maybe in the Doctor Strange multiverse of madness or something like that.
7: Mm. I think it's possible that we do see something. Resurface outside of the Shang-Chi franchise. If it does show up again, it's probably going to be Doctor Strange because he's the one that would have access to that realm. Um, maybe even possibly, I mean, we're probably going to get into this later. Um, you know, as far as the post credit scene is yeah, yeah. concerned, but, but yeah, I mean, it, it, it might even be setting up implications for future. Avenger level threats
4: as well. I agree. Yeah, we'll talk about that when we get to the to the mid crowded stuff. But yeah. like,
5: because isn't the Dweller in Darkness con- uh, connected to like Nightmare, which was one of the 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 villains we are kind of tossing about in WandaVision in Well, the
4: Nightmare. You've got uh, uh, what's it, Cthulhu, uh, um, uh, Shumagorath. I mean, they're all kind of connected.
5: Yeah. yeah. And we've been seeing so much stuff that looks like Shumagorath and What If.
2: Mm-hmm.
4: So it
5: feels like they're really priming us for these big other dimension villains like that. So we'll probably definitely see more of this dark dimension.
4: Yeah, and there's, play. there's huge – we'll talk about this later. There's huge connections with uh, Doctor Strange and Shumagorath in the comics. So but we'll we'll talk about all that stuff a little bit later, you know, if it comes up in the mid credits. Um, but what did you guys think of Talo? I, I, I absolutely fell in love with this world. Like they've just knocked it out of the park. Like I wanted to spend more time in Talo and like we're getting a you know, a Wakanda series on Disney Plus and I was like having the same thoughts here. Like, I want more of Talo, I love Talo, I want to see more of this world. Fell in love with Guanbo. Guanbo gets his soul sucked out in that fucking it gutted me. I loved Guan Bo. Um hey,
7: would, hey Brian, would you live in Talo for the rest of your life? Give up everything if your job was just to clean up mystical shit every day?
4: Mis- like mystical, like fucking, like Myst- uh, turds. Mystical
7: creature shit. Mystical yeah.
4: turds,
5: dude. You I would like a giant pooper scooper for the food dogs.
4: I would be. I would take that on with the passion that Adam Sandler t- character took on in The Water Boy. I would treat cleaning. <laughs> I, I would, I would treat cleaning up fucking mystical creatures shit. I would take it to the next level, man. I would actually use like their shit as like, you know, fertilizer to make the food and shit like that that we eat and everything. (laughs) I I would take it to the, we would be living in huts made out of fucking long moss shit, that horse shit. It would be, it would be, yeah, no, yeah, I I don't, that's a tough question, Tristan. I don't know if I, if my leg, I don't know if I want my legacy to be the guy that fucking cleans up after the animals in, in Tala. Yeah.
1: But what if it's like, you know, American dad, like when Roger takes the shit, it's like a gold like jeweled thing. Like one of those mystical creatures. Chances are, it's that, just shit, June.
6: I'm
2: just saying. <laughs> like, you know.
4: I would t- I would t- I would say strong possibility. It's just poop.
1: Okay. I mean, they are mystical <laughs> creatures. They could be something else.
5: I, what if it's it, like a Cadbury egg? Something something pleasant. <laughs> Again, I think it's
4: just going to be shit. I I don't You're I,
1: negative Nancy. I was trying to put a positive spin on your new job, but yeah, you know.
5: <laughs> I, I feel like the it, right writer. We can have some fancy shit. I feel like you guys are just going to try to sucker
4: me into a lifelong uh, existence. Super, uh,
1: super job
4: of 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 of, of service, be, cleaning up uh, mystical animal shit is what I think. Yeah. Brian, <laughs> yeah, shit,
5: shit work is always shit work, even if you're in paradise. <laughs>
4: it, it it tastes like candy, and then I eat it, and I'm like.
5: Almost choked on Rockstar. Thank you for that.
4: You're welcome.
5: <laughs> I'm drinking the Rockstar as well,
4: sir. Oh, I don't nice. like. I don't like it when they have these side conversations. Get back to Shang Chi. One song. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, we get it. We get it. You're 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 fun. Can't wait to hang out with you, sir or madam. Anyway, mm-hmm. Uh let's. Who says madam? <laughs> All right, let's see. I love Talo. I'm I'm guessing you guys all loved it as well.
5: Yes. Very yeah. gorgeous. Yeah, just breathtaking scenery. Um mm-hmm. Oh man, all all those archways in the mountains in the distance and just those those domed limestone mountains like that and the colors really popped there as well.
4: Yeah. It 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 looked gorgeous in in the 3D. I was like, I got to see this in 3D. That's why I was so fucking bummed. Yeah, I told you guys this off air, but like the second time I went to see it, I went to see it in three D and the projector wasn't working. So I was really bummed. So I went back I was gonna see it the third time anyway, but it was it was gorgeous in um in three D. Yeah, so we get to we get to Talo, we you know, they're basically uh trying to send them away. Get back in your car and leave is what Guanbo says. And then Nan Steps Up, played by Michelle Yeoh, who I thought was really good in this movie for the limited time she had, but uh, I thought she was really good playing the aunt of um Shang-Chi and Jaling. Yeah. And uh I I really enjoyed like the the training montage um when they're kind of like in that uh um arena that little arena that training arena that he had and she shows him you know you know open up the fist and I thought that that was like a really like uh a moment of learning for Shang-Chi and um and and uh I think that that was like a kind of like a Uh, not a moment to soften him up, but I think it was, um, I think it was a way, what do you guys take from that? I, I, when she has him open up his hand, what did you take away from that, Joe?
5: It's that he was fighting too much of his father's style. He was only, he was only fighting as a a means of attack, as a means to, to do violence. Whereas her, her mother's art, you know, that. That style that they use in Talo, it was much more for defense. You take the attack that's coming at you and you redirect that energy and deflect it away. Yeah, I know. Because I was thinking. Like opening the hand, it's like if your fists are closed, you're you're meaning to do violence. If your hands are open, you can now you know do do more with that with an open hand than with a closed fist is kind of the way i looked at it
7: yeah i, <laughs> I also took it as like letting go as well mm. you know like mm. kind of letting go of what you're holding on to
5: that's good that's good that's really good that's really good
6: yeah, i i i took it as I, maybe it's a bit on the nose but i think he had closed himself off of so much of his childhood. I mean, she tells him earlier in the movie that like, you know, you are a product of both your parents, both good and bad. No,
4: wasn't that Michelle right. Yeoh? That was Michelle Yeoh as non saying that to him, right?
6: Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. And oh, then, you said I mean,
4: earlier in the movie and I thought you were meaning, cause like, this is like their, fir- his first interaction was with her, like towards the oh, end of the okay. film.
6: I, I think I'm confusing the order of when things happen, but, um, well, Okay, so I think I misspoke, but what what I meant to say was that she had also told him at some point. I think a little bit before this, or maybe right during it, she had said to him, <clears throat> "Excuse me," that you know he was a product of um, both his parents, both good and bad, um, and I think that he had closed himself off to everything that his father taught him for so long. I, I do think it is a little bit on the nose, but I think the open the when she opened his fist, I think, yes, she was showing him a different, a different fighting technique. Absolutely. The same one that his mother used, but I think it was also very much a metaphorical of like, you've got to open yourself up. You've got to let all that stuff back in. Even if you're, you know, I get that you're angry about it, but it's part of you. And until you accept that you won't be a whole person. And I, I, I do think the, the, I, I, that's what I took from that scene. No,
4: that's good. I wanted to know, like, because I, ke- I kept thinking, like, I was using the wrong word in my head. Like, it's going to soften him. And i like, I don't like that. That's, it's not softening him. I like what you guys are saying. It's it's a much more deeper uh meaning. Him kind of, like, letting go. And I like that a lot. Um Yeah, so, like, let's, I guess just, you know, when we shows up here. Um, but before that, uh, we, we get to see the on-death screen, uh, on-screen death of his mother and, uh, um... And, you know, uh, Shang-Chi watches this all happen where the Iron Gang show up. This is a flashback scene. And like, I don't know, man, it was fucking it was brutal to watch. Uh, we didn't get to, like, see the actual fight. We saw, like, the aftermath and she kicked some major ass. There's a lot of guys left, you know, dead there on the ground. But there were so many there that they just overpowered her. Um, I love that little like that sweeping motion she does with her foot mm-hmm. in the circular. Mm-hmm. Um, it yeah. reminded me of like uh, the Kill Bill movie. And then we also yeah. see the same movement from um, from Nan uh, later during the training. But uh, I, I I loved I loved that. Um, but yeah, that, that was a devastating scene. And we also learned that, you know, yeah, he killed um, his mother's killer. That's something he did. He hid that from Katie, but he did that.
1: Mm-hmm. And I actually like that. I like that. That's how his story, because that's something I feel like that that has a lot to do with his character growth. Like he knows what it's like to kill someone out of vengeance.
2: Well, he
4: could he could you know, he, it, he could have taken that
1: that he always internalizes. You he, know, like the lesson that he will always internalize.
4: Well, if he if he did that and he went back to his father, he would have just lived that same life.
1: Mm-hmm.
4: But he, mm-hmm. but that moment was like that was the catalyst for him to say fuck it, and he escaped and, and moved to San Francisco.
1: Exactly, and I think and that I, 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 But I like that though. I think I, for me, I, I personally, I was like, I, I think I like the fact that he did actually go through with the act of killing someone. Yeah, because it's just it, I felt like that. That's important to his character growth. I think yeah, we, I love it. I, we, I don't want everyone
7: to be Steve Rogers. Yes, know? exactly.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yes, uh, great point
6: great point yeah I think I think it's nice to show how complex people are and, and I mean in, in real life no nobody is a, is a black and white good and evil type person and we're all made up of shades of grey and we're we've all done things that uh, we shouldn't have done or maybe that later on we regret doing and I am that he did that act that he did kill somebody um I think it's important that we know that about him, and that he was so he he knew he couldn't uh, continue with that life um, at, at, under his father's control.
4: Well, that's what I love about Marvel characters like they're they're, they're damaged. A lot of them are damaged. Yes. Like if you look at the Fantastic Four, you've got. You know, Ben Grimm, who's a rock monster and people look at him differently, but on the flip side, another member of that team, Reed Richards, blames himself for his friend becoming this rock monster. And it's something that they always, you know, have to uh kind of deal with. I mean, I loved flawed characters. Tony Stark be you know, uh, Demon in a bottle dick being an alcoholic and and I, I love flawed characters. So that's what I love what Marvel did here and they gave you know, Shang-Chi a little bit of his own flaw and that's going to, you know, but that's, he doesn't have to go down that path and he can learn from it and, and, uh, you know, take, take after his mother's side, uh, and the members of the village of Talo and, and, and learn from his mistakes. I, I absolutely, I loved that they, that they did that too, June. Um, then we get the, the battle. Were you guys worried about, okay, I'm, I'm sure that, if we listen to people that maybe didn't like the movie, do you think that they probably had a problem with the the third act and the and um um, the big mega soul sucker and it was just like this huge battle and and you've got like the little mini soul suckers going around like their chitari going around killing things and and then it it turned into did did it hold on did it turn into like game of thrones a little bit with like the big dragon and them riding dragons and like i think like that would be like for me I thought it was a spectacle and fucking amazing and part of the mythology and like you know another dimension coming into theirs and like threatening their world and their way of life and and not only at that but at the heart of that you had like this you know this struggle between father and son and and um I thought that there was a lot more meaning than just like this big third act, kind of like, here's the Chitari did going around destroying things in New York City. I thought that there was a lot more to it. Go ahead, June. I, I'm sorry.
1: And I'm just saying, like, I think from what I've read, not just of this movie, but just of Marvel movies in general, like whenever I read, like, like the New York Times or in PR, when they, they, they call it the, the third, like the Marvel third act problem. Like that's sort of like the slang for this. I personally, I don't always agree with that. Um, I also love the battle scene. I thought it was just really gorgeous to watch. Um, but that seems to be what, like, critics, like, they call it the the Marvel third act problem. Um, which I can see in some of the Marvel movies, yes. Like, it's just suddenly, it's just this big, it's just a big smashy, smashy battle thing. Yeah. If you're just
4: shutting your brain off and just seeing, like, oh, another big battle in a Marvel movie and not looking at all the other things that are going on within it. Um, I think that's a huge, like, I, I think you're not, you're, you're watching the movie through the wrong lens.
1: Exactly. Because oh, yeah. then you get those nuances, like, you know, when Aquafina, like, takes, you know, when she takes that shot, like, that's a powerful moment, you know, and, like, that's when she, that character, comes into her own. Oh, or just God.
7: Even the, yeah. or just even seeing the Great Protector and the way that it connects to, uh, uh, Simu and his sister, like, it's like, all these little nuances of that battle—it wasn't just smashing, you know, uh, chaos exactly. and CGI. You know, it was—it was, it was much deeper than that. Just even the connection between the fight that occurred between uh, uh, Simu and his father, as well. You know, just that—all of that is—it's the same character beats that you fall in love with in the first two acts, but it's just very fancy and glossed over with CGI mm-hmm. effects.
5: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, That CGI looked good too. Yeah. Like it it wasn't rough looking like in like in you know, the big CGI battle at the end of Black Panther, how some of that was kinda rough looking. This all looked really good. Uh, I, I, Brian, how, how good did those dragons and stuff look in the 3D? Were uh, they, like, <laughs> flying around out in front of you?
4: It was amazing. It was so good. Um, we had one of our listeners in the Discord say that they watched this movie in 40x, And in 40x, like, they actually have, like, fans and, like, water and stuff like that. Oh, wow. So they said oh. that third act, like, um they said it was really cool because they were getting spritzed with water. And, like, there was, like, you know, fans and stuff like that moving like wind. And, I mean, if you get wrapped up in it, man, that, that – I, I, that 40X might be, might be an interesting experience if you've seen this movie a few times. Someone like dragon kicks you in the face. <laughs> I can actually spe- smell mystical creature shit. Wow. Thank you, 40X. Um, I, I really thought like, like when Simulu, when, when Shang-Chi is like drowning in the water and then kind of like turns over and then like the, the great protector uh his air bubbles are like go up into Shang-Chi's like nose and and bring life into him I was like that's a really I don't know I thought that that was a really cool moment that scene that scene gave me
7: the same feeling that I felt when like um uh, T'Challa's walking in the astral plane
4: yeah 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 yeah, like, yeah.
7: kind of connection to your past you know
4: yeah and also like kind of like uh when uh steve rogers always gets back up or when captain marvel gets back up like this was like yeah. you know um it was almost like the great protector was you know giving him like that that second wind i yeah. liked it i dug it i thought it was cool and it oh god the water like in the water and all the water bubbles in 3d looked really fucking cool um but, yeah, I loved uh, I loved the Great Protector. And, Joe, it looked amazing on screen, like, flying by. And even, like, when the, the, the little mini Soul Suckers are flying towards them and you see, like, their faces get closer, it looked like they were popping off the screen.
5: See, I was supposed <clears throat> to see this in 3D yesterday, and, you know, just circumstances, it, it didn't work out. So I ended up having to cancel my ticket about a half hour before the showing. And I because of covid it's not they're not doing as many 3d showings in my theater like all all of yesterday there was one time it it was 4:30, or go fuck yourself you're not watching this movie with oh gosh (laughs) it just didn't work out so i'm gonna try and catch another another viewing of it because i just imagined that that final battle looked so cool and then hearing it it, that it did yeah shit yeah it was I'm very have
4: cool to do this. i lo- oh any time that uh um, Ling would use her uh that rope where she had the dagger and she 's flipping it around and shit that looked really good on the screen, especially uh. like when she 's on the dragon and using it when she 's on the ground and using it when um, she uses it to kill some of those mini soul suckers uh, when they 're uh all around the great protector 's eye that was really cool um some really cool use of 3d in the movie and uh yeah if, if you can handle 3d i know not everybody can handle it but if you handle it you can handle 3d and you like 3d if you get a chance to watch this in 3d i highly recommend it it's a really cool experience
5: um was, was anybody else really concerned for the great protector yes Anakin, like, yes was about to yes. lose its soul like i was, I was genuinely so concerned
2: i was so upset
5: can yes. he
7: summon the Great Protector? Do you think he can summon the Great Protector outside of Talo?
4: It felt like all that magic was contained to Talo.
1: Yeah, That's yeah. What I thought too. like to man,
4: I feel like the Great Protector brings magic to Talo. Like without the Great Protector, like his mom can't do that Wuxia style of airbending yeah. that she does.
7: I was just thinking it'd be so amazing if he's you know out and about. And he can just summon this dragon to just come. You know that dragon's
1: gonna get pissed off one day and be like, "Dude, I have a life. (laughs) I don't need to.
7: I don't need to fight Shatari.
1: Yeah, like leave me alone."
4: yeah you see it a lot in like uh fantasy stuff where it's like a post-apocalyptic fantasy world where like at one time they had magic and then like man went around and killed all the magical creatures and magic hasn't been present in that universe for years i feel like it's the same way here that if these animals and things that are within talo if they were killed like the magic would be gone from this world if that makes any sense Completely yeah. okay, cool. <laughs> I need, I need confirmation. I need validation, Joe.
5: <laughs> no, I, I love that sto- that story because that's um, oh man, you just see that in so much stuff. Like that was like a central theme in Seven to Eternity. That you know that there used to be so much more magic in the world, and now it's gone because of stuff that the bad guys done. And, yeah, and now the world's more fucked up as a result. and Yeah, yeah. Can, yeah so it, it it would probably spell bad tidings for for talo if the great protector left dude i love it i I wonder if they have to worry so much about the dark dimension anymore since i mean yeah that was a portal for it right there but i mean now the mountains pretty much just all collapsed in on it yeah yeah i don't know i don't know what they
4: have you know going for maybe there's another access to the dark dimension that we're going to find out now that's been open from like the events of loki and and you know uh, dr strange and the multiverse of madness maybe There'll be other doorways or ways to ac- access these other dimensions. Maybe maybe we've got to worry about the people of Talo and other forces trying to get into Talo now with, like, the, you know, sacred timeline, you know, and all these disruptions going on in these other fucking Disney Mar- – Marvel Disney properties and shit. I don't know, man. It'll be interesting yeah. to see
5: well, and, where and they with go. with that Soul Sucker, too, like, I thought it, – his throat, that area where it was exposed, where, where Katie had to hit it with the arrow – just that part of it gave me very, like Dormammu vibes.
4: Yeah. Oh yeah, it totally looked like a Dormammu type of thing. Yeah, like, hmm, yeah, that's interesting, dude. I didn't think about that until you said it, and it does, it does look like that kind of like effect that we saw from Dormammu. Yeah,
5: whereas like face is like rippling and it's yeah. Kind of like-
2: yeah,
4: totally. I love the part. I love the part in the in the battle when it's before. It's 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 when when Wu's uh, ten rings are fighting the the village of Talo, and the food dog gets like attacked by one of the guys, and <laughs> and <laughs> and it, and it doesn't even affect the food dog, and the food dog just fucking swats that guy into a like a. <laughs> <laughs> I was I loved it. I loved it, and the food dogs they were able to kill those soul suckers they didn't have any kind of like um dragon scale
5: yeah must have just been because it was a magical creature
4: magical creature yeah
5: mm-hmm.
4: yep yeah i kind of and also figured. the
5: food dogs are are meant for defense right
4: yeah they're supposed to guard uh your loved ones in chinese mythology you know they guard their guard their graves and stuff like that so they always come in pairs it was really cool to see that um but uh, I loved, I loved this this final battle. It just looked, it looked gorgeous. And I, I don't, I don't agree with anybody that just said it was just like this third act, kind of like let's just throw everything in the kitchen sink and there's no meaning behind it. It's just like this one big, you know, feast for the eyes, and that's it. There's no deeper meaning. I, I, I thought everything worked really well and came together well. I do too.
1: I really I mean, I, really, I thought it was, I really loved it. And the emotional beats, too.
4: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah,
5: so... Yeah, I feel like those reviews are lazy when they're like, oh, it's the typical Marvel third act. It's like, yeah, oh. It's like, okay, you didn't really... Were you really watching this movie? or exactly. Did you just go in with, with this expectation that it's going to happen, and then when it does happen... You say, oh, that, that's yeah. the thing we call that thing, and it's like, no, you didn't take a deeper look at this because there is so much more in this final yeah. battle.
1: Uh, than, I'll, than I'll, I'll PG, well, i I'll agree. You're right.
5: I'll agree I with don't that.
1: Think they actually watched the movies because the Washington Post, their review, they kept calling um, Aquafina's character throughout the whole thing. They kept calling her his girlfriend.
7: Okay, was, they like, just they just read her. the cliff notes. Yeah,
1: that's that's what I said. I was like, this reviewer did not fucking watch this movie because that she's not his girlfriend.
7: And it's very clear she's not his girlfriend
1: exactly so i was like That mm. on you Washington post
4: i'll be honest i kind of wanted i kind of sh- i kind of want i kind of want to ship them because I think they're so adorable together. I'm sorry. Oh, it,
5: I know it's not I think like there the was popular. Signs that it's pointing that way. Well,
4: when he takes off his shirt and she sees him with the shirt off, she's kind of like, mm. and then like when then Oh the... my god, the shrug that he gives after that. Yeah, <laughs> <They're>... <laughs> and I know it's not the popular thing to like introduce these romantic relationships anymore between characters, and we're all supposed to be friends. But I like these two together, and I kind of want to ship them. And fuck it, I I I kind of liked, I kind of liked the. You know, there. I
7: loved, yeah, I love the moment when he walks through the portal at the end and he extends his arm to her.
4: Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I, I think sometimes, like, some of the best relationships can be with two people that were friends first, and, you know? That's true. I, I know it's not the cool fucking thing. Everybody, it's, it, 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 people don't like shipping certain characters and these romantic relationships, but I guess I'm just a fucking softy when it comes to seeing some of the things that they threw into this movie. And no, I, re-
1: I think, no, it's just like, for me personally, I just, I feel like a lot of times in pop culture, it is rare that you have people, you have like men and women just as friends and I and like my husband and I weekends already. argue my husband is Billy Crystal from When Harry Met Sally he's like men and women cannot just not be friends like there's always going to be a sexual tension there blah, blah 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 and I don't agree with that like I do think that you can have like just legit yeah. platonic relationships and sometimes I feel like sometimes pop culture it's always they always do that will they won't they and then like friends become you know and it's like just, yeah I like I like seeing like you know men and women just be friends and their relationship is just strictly platonic it was just entirety. like it,
4: okay. i get it in the 80s 90s early 2000s everybody was just like you know oh uh, we're so, <laughs> well we're so different we'll never work and then they try it and then they break up then they get back together and then they break up again and like you know we've seen the formula i don't know uh and now you know we're seeing like you know, different characters. You know, just be platonic friends and, and things like that. This is just one of those cases where I felt like there was a little bit more. I felt like, you know, when you know, like when when she's got her head on his shoulder and shit like that, and like you know, her reacting to seeing him with his shirt off. I felt like maybe there was a little bit of an attraction. And like the family wants that they're shipping them. They 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 would love to see Shang Chi and yes. and yes. and Katie together and stuff like that. Um, I feel like it would like, seem very weird if another woman just comes in. Yeah, yeah, or comes to yeah. in love interest. Just... Yeah, I feel like Rebecca's rolling her eyes at everything. I feel like, <laughs> I feel like Rebecca right now is just like I have, I have like Brian. You're just taking a shit on feminism right now, and like, no. no, that is not what I'm doing. There's something, there's something very powerful about like I think like
6: no, no, no. I no, no. Listen, I don't. I'm not. I don't think you're taking a shit on feminism. I think. <laughs> I think there's plenty of like love stories that do people do start out as friends and then develops into something romantic. And there's nothing wrong with that, of course. I just felt like for this particular movie, I was, I personally was glad that they, it wasn't like they ended up together at the end of it. But I'm not opposed to like in a future film, their relationship being developed, you know, in that way. I just felt like for this origin story. Sure. You know, she's yeah. She's already like the friend. She's already like, you know, she was we saw her or we heard her be his defender when they were in school and I felt like that was enough qualifiers for her. Like that okay, you're you're his friend and you're his protector. That's fine. Now let's give her some of her own agency to do her own thing. I for me, I loved that at the end, they were just, like, BFFs, and, and I'm totally fine with that. If they stay that way, I'm totally fine with that. I'm yep. not opposed to them, you know, getting together in the future. The way,
4: If they were to get together, I don't want to see it actually happen in a movie. I don't want to see the relationship played out. I would, like, if they're wrapping up the Shang-Chi character in 10 to 15 years, and they're just wrapping it up, and they do, like, a fast-forward to the future, I would just love to see, like, all of a sudden, they just surprise us that these two are together, and they've got kids, yeah. or something and then yeah, end yeah,
6: it I that way. See- I don't need to see Shang-Chi rom-com. Like, I, if you tell me they end up together, I'm fine with that. Just show me the end result. I don't need to see them. I don't need to see him running through the airport to stop her from getting on that plane. And I don't need mom. to
4: see every fucking, like, you know, um, male or female character that they introduce as friends in these movies get together. I'm not shipping every character, but I am shipping Katie and Shang-Chi. I love them together. I think, <laughs> I think they are fucking adorable. I think that they would – I think that they are made for each other i think they are soulmates i'm gonna say it right now soulmates
7: <laughs> i yeah. all right i'm not the most qualified to speak on this topic but like i think hollywood has had an issue with also making these asexual asian characters so i hope that they don't just make him a guy who has no love interest at yes, all yes well.
6: that's that's yeah. a great point that you bring up yeah um there, there was a video I watched recently. It was retweeted by, um, the, this guy's huge on, on, on TikTok, uh, your Korean dad, um, which I love his stuff. He's so funny. Um, and he retweeted a video about, um, Asian representation in Hollywood and how basically, um, Hollywood tends to reduce male Asian characters as like either you're the older, Um, mentor like a Mr. Miyagi, or you're like the super nerdy guy who can never get the girl, or just the straight up kung fu master, like, or the villain, or or the villain. Okay. Yes. Thank you. Or the villain. And then there's never any room to show the this to show Asian men as like a sexual option or to have a romantic Mm. relationship. And I think you saying that. And that's like a really great point. Like we don't need to re- we don't need to keep Shang Chi. Like he can't he can't. Have a girlfriend or ever have sex because he's n- now he's the kung fu guy and he can't he can't have sex now. Like no, he's still a guy, and if he if he wants to do that, then let's let's show that let's let's show him as being like some somebody who's desirable. Because wh- why should we reduce these Asian male characters to just in yes, these categories?
1: I totally agree. I totally agree. And the, you know what I would appreciate but they did with the uh, his sister. So in the comics, like she. Is like, was very like hypersexualized, which is a problem mm. is that happens to Asian actresses. So exactly. I really like that they, they didn't do that at all. Like, she had her mm-hmm. own agency, she had her own agenda, and they, they didn't they did hypersexualize her. And I think, in a way, like, you know, he took his shirt off, you know, he's staying there shirtless. And I think that was in some way of like trying to be like, yeah, you look, Asian men are sexy too. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like- I, but they never, they never <laughs> fell into. That trope of
6: like exactly. oh the exotic Asian woman and and uh, and she's now highly desirable by all the men and let's put her in something really skimpy and let's totally sexualize her. They really didn't fall into those tropes, and I'm really so proud of the movie yeah. for doing that. But as you said earlier, June. The, the director the, themselves are, are Asian, so it's like mm-hmm. it, you, you're you're letting Asian voices tell Asian stories, and this is what you get. You get great representation, and you don't fall into these these tropes that white Hollywood tends to fall into. And I mean, I I think that's just a, an incredibly smart move, and I think it's a great for this film to make it just so so enjoyable.
4: So is it yeah. wrong for me to want to ship Zhe Ling and Razor Fist? <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I want to see, I want to see the attachment he uses in the bedroom. Hashtag dildo fist. All right. <laughs> Hashtag razor fisting. Um, <laughs> guys, no. You honestly, everybody's brought some great points uh, to this movie. I, I, I felt, I felt really like weird about bringing up the whole me shipping Katie and and Similu thing with you guys today because I know it's not like the popular thing right now but you guys brought up some some great points kind of like saying like oh I wouldn't be opposed to seeing it happen or it doesn't necessarily have to happen but I mean um yeah thank you that was a great discussion guys um so let's I guess okay yeah I, You guys would just want to what do you guys want to end this on? Because I'm ready. I'm, 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 I'm dying to get into the mid credit stuff. Yes. Please
6: Let's go into the, yeah. I, I want to talk about the credit scene.
4: I, we don't yeah. have to break down. We know how the movie, you guys, if you're listening to this, I'm assuming you've seen the movie, you know how it ended. And, uh, yeah. Uh, you know, they, 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 they fucking win. They, <laughs> mega suckers dead. They fucking win. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, on like I feel like I don't have to break down every scene. We don't have to break down every scene and every moment and every beat of everything that happened in this movie. You've seen it, you know it. Let's talk about what we what we wanna wanna talk about now, which is the the mid-credit scene. It's uh Well Yeah, I did I did like Shang-Chi and and Katie talking to their two friends.
2: Oh that
6: was so funny. <laughs> That was a great bookend to the film. Yeah, that was absolutely a great bookend to, to that whole line. Yeah, I
4: the the one friend that they have the the guy friend just like I love like this look on his face the entire time they're telling him this story, and he's just looking at his wife like and he's, <laughs>
5: the facial expressions were
2: perfect.
4: So good.
1: I actually love how she even like their friend like she you know from the beginning of the movie she kind of you know she's. A little, per- she's she's a little overbearing. She's she kind of plays and they joke about how like you know like you dress like my mom. Like you saw an online my dress like her too. But when she's just like, I mean, you two are so talented and so smart. I mean, you can do so much more with your life. And I like how she owns up to that too. She's so, like, okay, yeah. I get it. You're not happy with what I said before. <laughs>
4: she's like, "Did you get that did you get that outfit, Talbots?" and then Yeah. And I then love that. but then in the next scene they show uh Katie and Shang-Chi talking together and she is dressed like Punky Brewster or something. <laughs> yes. She's she's got like a fanny this silver fanny pack on. She looks And
1: then the ye- the yellow pants?
4: Yes. Yes. So anyway, the first post-credit scene is Wong um, showing up, uh, at, uh, um, oh no, Wong showed up at that, at that, uh, bar and then got them to go through the, uh, the portal. And so now we see Shang-Chi and Katie in the, in, he, they're either in, uh, Kamartaj or they're at the Sanctum. I'm just going to say, for the sake of this, that they're at the Sanctum and they're talking with, uh, Bruce Banner, uh who's in his human form and he's not professor hulk and then it pans over and uh captain marvel is there and she's got her long hair now and um they talk about the ten rings uh and how it's it's nothing like they've ever seen before. It, uh, Banner says it's not made of vibranium. Um, Captain Marvel's talking about how it's not, uh, Chitari or, or anything, any Cree technology. And then how it's, how long have, they ask how long his father had had the rings, and he said for about a thousand years. And Bruce basically says these, like the signature that they give off, these are much older than a thousand years. And, um, there's also, they, they mentioned the fact, I think they mentioned that the, once Shang-Chi used the rings, and I want to point that out because I don't know if it necessarily has to do with the color change of the rings. I don't think it's like, oh, they went from blue being on Wenwu to gold, this gold orange, and that's what sent the beacon. Because his mother, when they were first fighting at the entrance before they get to ta Lo, she turns them to orange as well. They turn that gold color. It didn't send the beacon then. He mentions that it's when Shang-Chi used the rings is when this beacon started sending a signal out into the universe. And um, Katie and Shang-Chi asked where it's sending to. And then captain marvel gets a message and she's pulled away and and we're left with bruce um bruce is still wearing like the sling so the arms messed up and uh basically at this point we know that uh shang chi is now going to be very integral to the future of the mcu it sounds like he's being brought in as one of the avengers and then it all ends with them going out and singing hotel california and karaoke and it's fucking amazing (laughs) And I laughed my ass off my entire theater fucking lost their shit. And I thought it was so funny
2: <laughs> that they did that.
6: <laughs> um, that was so great. I loved I I loved it because as soon as as soon as Wong's like go home, get some rest in my head I was like, They're gonna go or, they're or, going to Kerry Got now. Yeah. <laughs> or, or, and then they all three of them were drinking, doing hotel. Cafe.
2: <laughs>
6: There's a lot to there, th-
4: this scene, this mid-credit scene. There is a lot to unpack here.
1: Yeah. The question I have though, okay, sure. When you say like if you recruited the Avengers, but I mean really is there still an like at this point is there still an Avengers? Like Oh sure. As like an organized group, but like as like an organized gr- It kind of seemed like after Endgame, you know, everyone got brought back, defeated Thanos and then it's like everyone kind of went their separate ways.
5: Yeah, I
4: mean,
1: yeah, but, I think it's. I, I
5: think after what they went through in Endgame, they're they're kind of picking up the pieces and reforming, like what we saw at the end of, um was that maybe, yeah, it was at the a- end of Age of Ultron, where we almost get Cap saying, you know, Avengers Assemble, but mm-hmm. it's an entirely different team. I think that somebody is, you know, doing that right now and bringing this together.
4: I honestly, uh, honestly, I think there there is i i think that there is an avengers team i think like this scene and then even like like when we get the holographic conference calls that they're having i think like this is kind of like in a like a mini avengers meeting and just like we saw it in endgame when we saw you know Okoye and we saw um you know captain marvel and all them uh, you know uh talking with black widow and everything i think like these are just like avengers type meetings like do we know who the avengers are right now no we're going to find out later but i do think that there is some form of the avengers that is still intact okay yeah, i
1: just think you don't really have like a leader like at least an right. ending, you know like nothing yeah show, i, I know, think we're the one kind of organizing
4: it they're holding on to that and we'll get i i'm, I'm sure that we're going to learn more once we get deeper into phase four what's actually you know who's who's leading the team what's going on here so and i mean who knows what, what, it, what it would have been had Chadwick Boseman not passed. Like, you know, uh, I feel like, um, I feel like Tatala was very capable of leading the team. So, you know, at this point, like, who are we looking at? Are we looking at Captain Marvel? So it's, it's, we'll find out going forward. It's, it sounds like she's got a lot of it on her plate. She couldn't even stick around for this whole fucking meeting. So there's a lot of shit going on. Uh, okay out there in the universe are you gonna get
1: paid will you get paid as an avenger this time around because <laughs> that was kind of surprising and winter, winter Soldier, falcon bird yeah sorry but i i i really want to talk
4: about like all the questions that this mid-credit scene is asking um there's yeah. a lot of stuff going on here why is bruce in his human form what's mm-hmm. what's what's the origin of the rings what's the beacon. What is this signal that's being sent out? There's a lot of questions that we need to talk about mm-hmm. here, uh, and try to try to answer the best that we can. Um, there is a theory out there that the rings actually aren't basically like the comic book origin of the rings, and they're taking elements from other comic storylines, and that these are uh, now. Um, quantum bands and i'm going to give you a little lesson on what quantum bands are in uh marvel comics and if you go to the marvel wiki page uh on quantum bands i'm going to go through this and i want you to tell me if like what we saw in shang chi could lead us to think that the bands we saw here are actually the quantum bands from the comics uh, the quantum bands are unique energy manipulating devices of incredible power that the cosmic being Eon awarded to those beings that it appointed to be protectors of the universe. The bands served as both instruments of power and symbols of the station of the protectors. With the exception of the Cree Captain Marvel, all of the chosen protectors have worn the cr- quantum bands, beginning with Glacandar, the very first protector who was appointed by Eon 5 billion years ago. Eon usually controlled who possessed the quantum bands, but sometimes random chance caused them to fall into the wrong hands, allowing them to be used by beings who were unworthy of them. The bands actually draw power from the quantum zone in the comics which would be the Quantum Realm in the MCU. With the Quantum Realm being... Like, here's my question. With the Quantum Realm being super important to the MCU, with Quantum Mania coming up, Kang being part of the MCU, and Secret Wars probably being, like, the next big event, this... If these are the Quantum Bands, this is going to make Shang-Chi a very important part of the MCU going forward. I I still don't think that Shang-Chi has unlocked... The full potential of these rings But like my question was like If these are the quantum bands This sounds a little bit of like Maybe kind of like what happened to In this movie Like the the the, these quantum bands These rings fell into the wrong hands The wrong hands being Wen Wu And then all of a sudden They change color And now it's being possessed By somebody who's worthy of them And then it sends out this signal This beacon
5: Yeah, absolutely I, I endorse that theory That sounds
4: really good So when Shang-Chi first used them after they turned orange, possibly when he used, you know, the immense power that we saw when he killed the mega soul sucker, maybe that's what sent this beacon. And it's calling someone or a group of people or a group of aliens or a group from another dimension that Earth has found its protector and it's ready for whatever they have in store, whether it be war or something. So who or what is the beacon summoning? And the question, like, if you guys listen to my bonus episode where I talk about, you know, Shang-Chi, I tried to I tried to say this in a way to not spoil it for you, but I wanted people to watch that first mid-credit scene. I, I speculated that Fastos, uh played by Brian Tyree Henry, maybe created the rings. Maybe the Eternals made the rings. And in the second Eternals trailer, it's mentioned that the Eternals were here 7,000 years ago. And the rings, according to Bruce, are much older than a 1,000 years. And I also want to point out that at the beginning of the movie, when um, Shang-Chi's mother, uh, Ying Li, is giving the narration, she talks about when we wearing these rings. She says they gave him, and I quote, eternal life. She Uses the word eternal here. Like, okay, could that just be a coincidence or is that giving us a hint of where the rings possibly came from?
5: That was one of my first thoughts as well is that this could be some sort of technology from the Eternals just because, you know, the movies are coming out so close to each other. Um, I'm, I'm curious also if, if this mid-credit scene, did they film it or, or write in a detail of, you know, it's emitting a signal now? Was that changed when they realized that the release dates were going to be flipped around yeah and I know in the trailer for the Eternals they say that you know the, the power of you know everybody coming back you know all over half the life in the universe returning at once is is what woke them up uh, you know the the celestials and are bringing them back to earth but if this thing's sending out some sort of signal and we know a movie's coming where you know a signal is sent to a celestial to come to earth to, to judge it, presumably as it does in the comics. Um, you know, th- it does seem to fit in nicely.
4: Yeah.
7: yeah. Marvel's not above going back to the drawing board and rewriting and trying to fit things in. And by this being the lead into the Eternals, I wouldn't be surprised if this, you know, that, that, added message of the beacon was a late addition to
4: maybe it was maybe the rings were created by celestials maybe they were given to the eternals the eternals gave them to 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 earth i i want to point this out i think this is interesting there are 10 rings and there are 10 eternals
1: so they each had one maybe
4: Uh, maybe listen there are yeah 10 rings 10 eternals uh number one, Ajax, number two, Icarus, number three, Thena, number four, Circe, number five, Druig, number six, Kinga, number seven, Makari, number eight, Fastos, Number Nine, Sprite, and Number Ten Gilgamesh. Ten rings, ten eternals, is that a coincidence? Hmm. Or could like, you know, in the comics, each one of those rings in the comics was like a soul of like a of like a a uh, a god or something like that and their powers, you know, different powers are stored in the rings. Could each one of these rings represent one of the Eternals or, you know, where all I'm still looking forward, yeah. Maybe all maybe maybe the Eternals at one point like each imbued the rings with their powers and they left them on earth for a worthy human to find one day and then become the protector of earth if they were not able to protect earth we know from the second trailer that the eternals most of them fall in love with the people of earth and there's they they were not uh, they were not able to intervene uh in the battles on earth and stuff like that because the celestials told them not to maybe maybe they were given each a ring and and this is all speculation guys I don't know, but ten rings, ten eternals they were all given a ring and then they left the rings behind if they were ever not there to uh, protect us and it and they're leaving it for one day it to fall into the, a worthy human to be the protector of earth and like are they protecting it? are they protecting it from the celestials themselves? And that's possible. I don't think all the celestials are bad. They're not all bad in the comics. Like in the comics, there is like Aramesh, the judge who can, who, who can show up and, and destroy civilizations and things like that. Um, nowhere. Also, we saw the head of nowhere in, in guardians of the galaxy, you know, also another, you know, kind of like villainous, uh, eternal, but not a celestial, excuse me, but not all celestials are, are bad. Maybe what if they were correct? Uh, like created, by the celestials for the eternals and the eternals are using them to like possibly protect her from even a bigger threat than you know any of the celestials in i want to point this out in avengers thor was talking to nick fury about like all the experiments that nick fury and shield were doing on the tesseract when they had the tesseract and he said um that the tesseract actually was sending out a signal he said uh it is a signal to all the realms that the Earth is ready for a higher form of war. So possibly could this be sending out a signal, not just to the celestials, but this, could this be sending out a signal to the planet eater that we know, Galactus?
6: Dude, that was my first thought when they said it's sending out a signal i said it's galactus that is exactly what i said <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. well
4: i want to.
6: I, I i think it's galactus
4: <laughs> well this is what i think possibly maybe we know galactus has heralds um and we don't know we don't know 100% like how when we found uh the rings but like maybe galactus sent out one of his heralds to find a planet and um this uh this herald ended up you know you know they say they they allude to maybe uh, like he found the 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 rings in a crater at tomb maybe he found a dying maybe when we found a dying herald of galactus and i know this sounds like green lantern but it's it's it is different like so he finds a dying herald of Galactus and basically maybe he fucking kills, finishes off this herald, kills him. You know, maybe this herald was like in a battle with somebody, ended up falling on earth. And and uh, when we find some dying and maybe, maybe kills him and takes the, takes the rings, takes this power. He sees this power and takes the rings and then, and then, um goes and and uses them for like a thousand years of tyranny and and domination and then when Shang Chi finally uses the rings it sends a beacon back to Galactus saying like this planet is ready to be consumed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know.
6: I I love that theory. I but well mostly because it sounds like my theory so it's a little bit well, What I what I mean what I mean
4: by like this planet is you know ready for consumption is like basically like it's found It's worthy protector of Earth, yeah. And so, like now, now it's now it's kind of like sport for Galactus. Like, oh, you
6: exactly.
4: Like maybe this, maybe this herald of Galactus was there to deliver the rings to someone. Got in a battle on the. I don't. This is a lot. I don't know. And and, and, (laughs) it's a lot. it
6: It makes sense what you're saying because, like, yes, Galactus is the planet eater, but. He also enjoys a challenge. We know that from the comics. Like he doesn't just want to show up and eat the planet. Like he likes the challenge of like really like conquering the planet and powering it, whatever. But like, I think that I, I mean, if they're gonna if they're bringing in Fantastic Four, right, and they're bringing in a lot, they they want to do more cosmic stuff and they want to do more, you know, uh, galaxy stuff. Then Galactus is the next logical choice for a big bad villain, and. I didn't, when I saw that beacon and Bruce said it's over a thousand years old, my first thought was Galactus. And I really, I, I think that that's a viable theory.
4: Yeah, there's a lot. I mean, like, if it was created by the celestials, why is it sending off a beacon, a signal to Galactus? I don't know. There's a lot to, uh, I mean, it's, it, I don't know. I'm, I'm just saying, I, I'm just trying to like cover everything. And I think like, yeah, there's a chance that maybe this signal is basically saying to Galactus that, yeah, the earth is ready for consumption. And, uh, we'll see. I don't know.
5: Yeah, like maybe the dweller in darkness had to go away, you know, before Earth was viable for something else to come in.
4: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Hmm.
5: I don't know. It also could be
4: um I mean there's a lot of other a lot of other people that it could be sending a beacon to. Um uh Shuma is a is another one, uh Kathan is another creature, Nightmare, um and I wouldn't Mephisto,
5: but I'm not saying it's Mephisto. <laughs> so,
2: <laughs>
5: <laughs> I wonder if it could be Deviant Technology. Also, um, in the Eternals comics, their their main rivals are the Deviants, and at one point in time, the Deviants ro- uh, ruled the Earth and had humanity as like a you know kind of a subject civilization. And uh, eventually, there was a big battle, and the Deviants were cast aside and that's also when atlantis sunk and all that yeah so yeah it makes me wonder if it could be deviant technology or maybe even you know something from from atlantis could could there be some sort of lead into maybe namor I, I don't know too much about that character but sure i Stephen
4: farsheed actually sent me um a message and he thinks that we are going to see this sinking of atlantis in the eternals movie let me try to find his message here real quick because he put it he put it really good uh he said uh dude I think we are going to see Atlantis in the Eternals. Um, he goes, the volcano in the trailer, along with the Dweller in the Darkness being in both Shang-Chi and a huge part of the Atlantis sinks, and a huge part of why Atlantis sinks along with the deviance, is why I think it lines up nicely for the Eternals. Um, makes too much sense to me right now, giving the opportunity for them to use the ancient times storyline to explain some of the things that happened in the MCU in the past. Perfect background and setup for a very... Near in the future, introduction to Submariner. So yeah, um, maybe we will see like uh the sinking of Atlantis in uh in the Eternals movie. Here's the thing though, like I was thinking, like with the fact that they said like the rings gave him eternal life, I was thinking maybe it was something that came from Celestials slash Eternals because the Celestials gave the Eternals eternal life, but they didn't give eternal life to the Deviants. Yeah. They created both, but the deviants die. Deviants live lives and die. Eternals stay alive. They haven't, you know. Do you see what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. And it's kind of the reason yeah. the deviants hate the Eternals is because, like, they the Eternals have eternal life and they don't.
5: Yeah, it, I I think Steven's, uh theory holds a lot of weight too.
4: Yeah. Who knows, man? We, I mean, this might, Rebecca, we might be jumping to a Mephisto conclusion that's not going to happen here with Galactus.
6: I mean, yeah, maybe. <laughs> and you know what? Obviously, like, that's the fun of it, right? We've all got theories. There's only, you could make a case for, probably a hundred more theories out there whatever they decide it's going to be i'm sure it's good i'm sure it'll be great but yeah it's fun to theorize it's yeah. fun to theorize and of course if you're the one person that you got the theory right you just feel like so validated right you just want to stand up in the theater and be like i was right
2: <laughs>
4: yeah yeah let's uh let's jump on to this next question why is bruce human and not professor hulk so Well, hold on. Let's talk about this before it bothers you. Let's talk about this because I know the movie doesn't explain it, but you know what movies have a tendency to do in future films? They have a tendency to explain things. So they don't want us to know everything right now. Maybe we're going to find out a little bit more about that in Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Maybe Doctor Strange had a hand in this. Maybe we'll find out more about it in the She-Hulk series because we do know Mark Ruffalo will be showing up, but... In Endgame, we find out, like, we thought that he was kind of, like, permanently fused with uh, with Hulk, and he became Professor Hulk. There's his quote in Endgame. He says, for years, I treated the Hulk like he's some kind of disease, something to get rid of. Then I started looking at him as the cure. 18 months in the Gamma Lab, I put the brains and brawn together, and now look at me, best of both worlds. So, um, I can understand you having a problem with it, June, but you I don't think that they're just going to, like not explain this.
1: <laughs> I get, yeah, I think it's just because it sounds like that whole thing in Endgame, it just sounded like that was so, like, he worked, he used those five years in between the snap and then the events of Endgame, like, he put everything into resolving, you know, the Hulk. Mm-hmm. And coming to this, and I thought that that was such like a great fitting, I guess, evolution of the, of the, of the character. Well, I mean, in and the I in guess, the comics, it, scene, you're like what?
4: Sure, in the comics, like he's. I mean, it's it, they've gone through so many different storylines where he becomes Mister Fixit, and and uh, you know at, at times he's been separated from you know there's been Bruce and there's been the Hulk separated, so two entities living at the same time. They've done so much with this character. I, I just I didn't I never thought for a moment that we're never going to get like the raging Hulk monster ever again. I've always. Kind of thought that there's going to be evolutions with this character going forward in the movies and, and, uh, I don't know. There's, there's theories out there as to what happened. We're not going to know until they start to answer this in future films and in maybe Disney plus series, but there's the theory that after the snap that slowly the gamma radiation kind of like left his system. And oh. that gets okay. us to the She-Hulk series with You know, maybe Jennifer Walters does need, like, this life-saving blood transfusion, like, like, like in the comics, and he, he believes that all the gamma radiation is out of his system, so it's safe. To give her this blood transfusion, and he does and and uh guess what they he was totally wrong in that moment, and now his cousin is the she hulk and and he 's still the hulk so um and he 's not done being Hulk uh, Mark Ruffalo was seen on the set of She Hulk with mocap dots on his face he 's coming back as the hulk i 'm a hundred percent convinced nice. of that, maybe Dr. Strange was able to use some sort of like magic maybe dr stranger wong was maybe able to use some sort of like magic to get him back to his human form for some reason i don't know there's a lot of do you guys have any theories i have no idea like i'm just i'm just throwing things out
2: well when (laughs) when he said
4: this
7: oh sorry go ahead
4: tristan
7: i was gonna say maybe marvel just ran out of their special effects budget
4: I don't. Bl- no, they got money for days. They got money. They got money for days. They want us to ask this question of why he is human, Bu- Bruce Banner, when we saw this mid-credit scene. They did. No, they did not. The budget.
5: <laughs> I think that he can go back and forth, and and being that his arm is still in a sling, maybe it's just easier for him to get medical care as a human.
6: Yeah, hmm. I read. I, I read some articles about that because I was very curious about why the, why he was Bruce Banner and not Professor Hulk. And there's a million theories out there, but I think one of them that kind of makes sense to me the, for me the most was we saw in a, in a previous Marvel film like when the, in, in, in Infinity War, when the Hulk refused to come out, right because he had gotten his ass kicked by Thanos and, and he didn't want to come out again and fight. And, and and so Bruce was stuck like in 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 the in the Hulk Buster. Um, so the one of the theories is that after the snap, Hulk got so like he was so damaged that he kind of retreated back into Banner again. That he didn't want to be out all the time, and he's kind of recuperating or a little bit like shy to come out. That's like one theory, obviously, but I'm sure that. You know, it's, easy, it's you can also make a case for what Joe's saying about how he could switch back and forth at, at will, or, or what Brian's saying about how the Gamma Asian, you know, left his body after the snap. So, um, but I, I kind of like the idea that maybe the Hulk is a little bit shy again. It doesn't want to be out all the time for fear of getting hurt.
4: Yeah, I just feel like they're going to have to there's going to be how does Jennifer Walters become She-Hulk?
6: Become She-Hulk. Yeah, exactly. You have to if either they follow it as it was in the comics and it it's that that blood transfusion thing um and if it's a case of the gamma radiation honey and he thinks oh you know what I'm I'm safe now I can I can donate blood. That that actually probably makes the most sense. But Yeah, uh, I don't want it
4: to be like yeah. Val Val showing up and being like, "Yeah, we need a we need a lawyer on the team that can turn into a Hulk." <laughs> I, I want him to figure out a way to do it that makes sense. I suppose. Yeah. Um. I guess let's jump into yeah. So we don't have any answers. We don't know why he's. He's human again. We're, we're just, we're guessing. We have no idea. Um, let's talk about the post credit scene and what this means for the future. Uh, we get, uh, Zhe Ling in her old room and, uh, someone says they're here and she walks out and, uh, she's, uh, sitting at her, uh, dad's throne there at the, uh, at the, in his old, like, compound castle, whatever. Um, the Ten Rings banner is now, uh, it's, it's now red instead of the black. Um, the gang that she has around her uh, she's got John John on uh, one side and then Razor Fist on the other side and um, uh, then we see uh, the base has like this uh, graffiti on it so it looks more kind of like the you know uh, what she did when she created the Golden Dagger Fight Club um, and I mean, remember, she said to Katie in the movie, like, this isn't surprising that she's not going to dismantle this thing. She said to Katie in the movie "Like when she created the Golden Dagger Fight Club, that if she couldn't be a part of their father's empire, that she would create her own. And so here she is doing what she does is taking over this empire and creating her own version of like the Ten Rings. Now, is she going to be nefarious with this or is this just going to be another fight club?
5: Yeah, it seems like it's already set up for criminal enterprise, and, mm-hmm. and that would be the more interesting turn because then it would introduce you know a problem for for Shang Chi and you have that sort of tension between him and his sister. That the you know he's if he's an avenger and she's you know pursuing a, a life of crime. You know, it, it's a it's a good struggle to put between the two and. You know, with, with that position that she's in, it raised two huge questions to mind for me. Uh, the first of which is... How many former black widows? Yes. Yes. Went, That's went in my notes. Because they like the idea yes. of, of working for a woman. That's
4: in my notes it, right there.
5: It, because it like exactly we, what the fuck it was like to, to you know, grow up in this male dominated world. Well, the she first thing ass. that we see is like when they're
4: pulling away and it's it's it mirrors the shot at the beginning that we saw when Wu when he first takes over the castle and they pull away and they see all these men fighting in the courtyard like. This mirrors that But like the first thing we see Is like women and men Training in the courtyard Yeah Yeah
6: Yeah I think this is Joe I love I love what you're saying About About the Black Widow stuff Like I think uh, I think 100% We'll see some Former Widows Be a part of this And Wouldn't it be Fun even to tie in Somehow Yelena Belova to this Like what if she Not necessarily Works for her But like What if she has to go And there's some Conflict there but yeah. I, I, definitely think Reasonable. that this is going to be a nefarious uh, situation here. I wow. think we're going oh, yeah. to continue the themes well, of complicated. To to be a, there's like a separate
4: conversation going on on Rebecca's end, guys. Not, I'm sorry.
6: I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, <laughs> sorry about that. Um, uh, yeah, I think I think she's going to continue this like whole nefarious. Um, uh, organization situation uh, and i think that's going to just continue the themes of like conflict within the family that they set up in this movie.
4: Yeah, i i had it in my notes uh about the widows too. I think like that we should we definitely will see some widows showing up there. Um i wonder hm i don't know about Yelena. I think like she's got her own thing going on with like possibly like this uh Thunderbolts team with Val and or Dark yeah. Avengers whatever you want to call. It. I don't see Yelena um You know, falling in into the ten rings. Well, Um,
5: well, here's the other character that immediately came to mind as well. Is is this going to tie in at all with the power broker?
4: Well, we did see if you in Macau, uh, we it did look like on uh, uh, some of the graffiti. It did look like the like that uh, symbol that we see from uh, Madripoor, uh, like behind. When we first see Shanxi in the in in the cage arena behind him, there looks like the Madripoor symbol behind him. So maybe there is some sort of an alliance between um, her Golden Dagger Fight Club and uh, and the power brokers, uh, you know, group uh, in Madripoor.
5: Yeah, yeah. Those are the two biggest questions that came to mind when I saw that. The, okay, now we've got a strong female. She's in charge of this huge criminal organization it looks like she's potentially drawing in widows it would also not be that big of a stretch to think she would have connections with the the power broker especially you know being that they're all in kind of the same area geographically
4: yeah yeah
5: same corner of the world anyway i was hoping part of me was like like uh,
4: selfishly wanting a uh, disney plus series where we just get like fucking these matchups between crazy characters that you know what i mean like
5: oh it would be fun <laughs>
4: <laughs> you know like different characters from the multiverse showing up and fighting, you know, White Vision or or, or something. I mean, it just be but I doubt that that's going to happen. Um Yeah, but yeah, the 10 Rings, I I think you're right, it's going to be a more nefarious thing and probably setting up a future like uh Shang-Chi sequel film and maybe not even the next movie. Cause like there's still, I don't think they're going to wrap up anything with Baron Mordo and multiverse of madness. I think that's just getting started.
5: Yeah. Yeah. That's a really fair guess. Um, man, what is that guy up to? Uh, yeah,
1: right.
4: Yeah. There's the rumors that he's going to be part of like this, uh, multiversal Illuminati in, uh, Dr. Strange and the multiverse of madness. And, um, that'll be interesting if that is, that is true. Um, as for the future of Shang-Chi, Simu Lu says he doesn't know. And um, this was from a digital spy article. Um, he was asked, uh, what he knew about, uh, the future of Shang-Chi. And he said, absolutely nothing. Zero has been told to me. I'm the new kid. They don't give you like level six clearance. Like I, uh, just imagined myself going deeper and deeper into a tunnel, like down the elevator. And I'm like, in I'm in like sector two and then if I try to go to sector three they're like you're not authorized <laughs> um, but hopefully as I go on I'll get more clearance Aquafina says I have no idea what we can expect in the future I think the mind is kind of left to wonder after you watch the movie but I will say that I would like to see her uh, not without Shang-Chi I think that their friendship and uh, I think that their friendship is really important for each of uh, them individually. Uh, Similu expressed hope that his character would team up with Anthony Mackey's Captain America at some point. Quote, This is purely a hypothetical thing. I would hypothetically love to potentially, perhaps maybe someday work with him. If that was on the cards, um, maybe again, not sure, cannot confirm or deny. Um, I've already said too much. So, yeah.
1: That would be fun. Him and Anthony Mackey, I think that would be a lot of fun.
4: Yeah, I'm not opposed to that. That would be kind of cool. Yeah, I I do want to see him show up in another movie before we see a Shang-Chi sequel. I would love to see him even show up just for a moment in, like, Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness or something. Or or even Quantum Mania, if they are the Quantum Bands and we're getting into the Quantum Realm shit. I would just love to see Shang-Chi show up in something else before he goes on to his next solo sequel movie.
7: uh, Yeah, I agree. Shang-Chi was the one that uh, taught Peter Parker how to fight when he lost his powers.
4: Yeah, that would be cool, have him show up in a fucking uh, Spider-Man movie or something.
2: Yeah. I
5: don't know. That would be really cool if they utilize him that way a little bit and have him kind of level up other people's game. Like, one of the lost moments I felt like, you know, we have as the, these two characters, like him and Steve Rogers, Captain America, aren't really existing at the same time in the MCU. And I was thinking how cool, you know, kind of like a dream scene would be with him kind of giving Cap some, like, like Hey, let me help you level up as a fighter, you know? Cause in the comics, you know, Steve was kind of a master of every fighting style. Yeah. It would be interesting to see what those two going up against each other and sparring would be like.
4: Yeah. Just like, uh, you know, I think we all kind of want to see like, uh, um, Scarlet Witch and, and Doctor Strange kind of battle each other in multiverse. Yeah. It's just a, <laughs> you know, out, out, of, out of curiosity. And I, I hear that they do, that they will fight in the movie. That's the rumor, at least. So we'll see. But, um, that's all I got for shang Chi. I don't know. Did you guys have any final thoughts or theories you want to throw out there?
7: I just think it's a very welcomed addition to the m c u like I feel that these characters are feeling uh, they're filling a void that wasn't filled before you know they're not just superfluous characters that are just being thrown into the mix. It's like I feel that his superhero is just a very unique figure that we haven't seen before, and, you know and his dynamic with Alkafina and all that I'm very happy to see them join this the circus as as Wong describes
4: it. Yeah. Like, one of the the complaints that I read online from, like, uh, somebody talking about the movie was, like, uh, you know, I liked it, but I just didn't feel like, uh, you know, they made Shang-Chi, like, a a, a bigger part of the overall MCU. It's like, you can't make anyone happy these days. It's like...
7: Some people watch these movies because they want everything to connect and be an Avengers event. It's like, just let something have its own life.
4: Well, and then sometimes, well, sometimes it's like, why can't I just have a movie about this character without including everybody else into it? And it's, it's, it, yeah. you know, and I've said that too about the Spider-Man movies, you know? And, and so, I mean, maybe I'm part of the problem here, but, uh, I, I feel like this movie did a pr- pretty damn good blend as far as like, not, you know, it did incorporate parts of the MCU. It inc- incorporated parts of like previous iron man movies it, you know it, maybe it's tying into the eternals uh you know maybe it's if they are the quantum bands it's definitely tying in possibly into quantum media and what's going on in the quantum realm and definitely that mid credit scene is setting up something bigger for the mcu i i think that this movie stands on its own and i think it's a perfect introduction i think it asks a lot of questions and then fucking bruce banner and captain marvel show up in the mid credit scene this definitely has like future ramifications and, and huge ripples in the MCU. So I don't get those complaints.
5: Yeah. They Uh, they don't make much sense to me. This movie was, was great. This is in terms of the origin movies of the MCU. I I think this is top, top tier. It's, it's hard to argue which ones are, are, are better than it. And for an hour or a movie that was, you know, over two hours long, it just zipped by. Like the pacing in it was really great. Yeah. Uh, oh, like yeah. Tristan was saying, this movie shows us stuff that we've never gotten in the MCU before. Uh, th- this isn't just a, a typical, you know, quote unquote, superhero movie. Yeah. Uh, the the right. type of mythology that they delved into in this, the, the fight choreography we get in this, there's there's nothing that comes close to that in the MCU. No, uh,
4: no, no. Uh,
5: the other day I, I went down a rabbit hole of reading the Rotten, rotten Tomatoes reviews and then it, it almost ended with me going on a Twitter rant about what the fuck is wrong with you people that didn't like this movie. you know, granted, We're all entitled to an opinion, but damn, this, I don't know. This movie just fired for me on so many levels that I, I don't understand the people that didn't like it. And I kind of feel bad for them that, that they weren't able to see the same movie that the rest of us saw.
4: Uh, yeah. I mean, at this, uh, at this point, after years of doing this podcast, I try to like, not let that stuff affect how I, I view a movie. And, and, um, you know, I I don't think that I'm like one of these MCU sheep that just like love everything they put out. I fucking tossed Age of Ultron on our episode that we did. Like if I feel a movie's bad, I'm going to let people know. I don't care if it's MCU, I don't care how much involved Kevin Feige is in a movie. If I didn't like it, I'm going to let you know. But I loved Shang-Chi. I loved this movie. So, um I want to thank all of our guests today. Tristan, thank you, dude.
7: Hey, thanks for having me.
4: Absolutely. Yeah, Joe, thanks again, man. Where can people find you, dude, if they want more Joe
5: Stark? Uh, you can find me on my podcast, StarkCast. Uh, most recently, I just had a uh, friend of the show, Handy Greg, on for an episode. And we <laughs> spent a good long long time talking about, man, we go down some rabbit holes on this one. Uh, most episodes are definitely not safe for work, but it's just it's long-form conversation. So uh, we, we go from tangent to tangent. And I had a lot of laughs talking with Greg. That guy is hilarious
4: awesome yeah check out startcast uh june you've got a newish podcast and uh tell tell our listeners about your podcast
1: i'm so excited that i finally get to say like where you can find me now um yes you can find me on apple oranges it's a podcast i do with paul hart and jesse Candelori, um where we review um apple original content
7: oh i'm gonna be uh
1: on there this week yes you are Um, and we're so we're so excited Tristan. Yeah, so
4: there you we go. I have yeah, something we're so, to so plug. excited. Are you talk are you going to be talking, uh, Ted Lasso or, or Mr. Corman or what are you talking about? Both.
1: We're talking Ted Lasso and Mr. Corman.
4: Yep. Oh God, I'm fucking, every week I'm just sucked into that, uh, of course I love Ted Lasso, but I'm sucked into Mr. Corman. I'm like really sucked into that show. <laughs> it's like a Friday ritual for me to watch that. Rebecca, where can people find you?
6: Yeah, you can find me mostly on Picard Cast uh, with Brooke as we talk about all things uh, Star Trek. We're still in our personal logs series, but uh, season two of Picard uh, has finished filming, and we just saw. Thought- They're about to start filming season three of Picard, so we're pretty excited about that. Um, You can also hear me on the animated backcast with Paul Hart, and, uh, you know, Brooke and Cindy and I are trying to get back to recording our She-Ra and the Podcast of Power episodes again. We uh, all had a few setbacks, but uh, things have started to align, and I think we'll be able to start recording again, so that's where you can hear me.
4: Very cool. Uh yeah, we'll be back next week with one of our regular episodes. We're gonna be talking about a bunch of shit. Uh I'll go over the contest winners for the last contest. Uh but but, but oh and remember, uh I'm not gonna be doing a new episode on uh September twenty sixth and october third. I need a little time off. I need a little bit of need a little bit of little re uh, relaxation. Guys, I need to recharge the battery.
6: Treat yourself.
4: Cheat yourself, Cheat yourself. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> I don't know I just need i need to get I need to get away for a little bit and 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 do some things around the house and uh yeah paint the fucking thing and then uh I just need a week off from social media altogether, but uh yeah, we'll be back next week. I've got a lot of fun things to talk about next week. um we will see it then just like all good left to ever say on their doggy bags. Thank you for your patronage. Thanks for listening. See you next week, see ya.
5: They're all pretty sad and lonely. One of them is homeless, but I didn't say that.
0: There's already like seven million The Leftovers picking up the scraps Dropped by the cool kids it, it,
3: It's a trap
0: good to toss it, good it, Do we love it? Hey, let's race it Can it? Let's embrace it mm-hmm. Tupperware party. party Subculture spill over Like a vulture Carryover Counterculture push over Pop culture Leftovers, leftovers. And with the uncool kids What's to say it's already been said Leftovers yeah. sure that the only talent Is the band that your leftovers podcasts that are and good have already been done before so we should separate the wheat from the shaft and we the chaff, crap even though the shit we're the leftovers picking up the scraps Drop by the poor kids it's a trap Toss good and deep. Do we love it? Hey, let's race it. Can't erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture over like a vulture carryover. Counterculture pushed over. Pop culture leftover. And with the uncool kids, what's to say? They've already been dead. Leftover. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture left over. It, and, do we love it? Hey, let's face it. Can't erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture over like a vulture. carry Carryover counterculture pushed over. Pop culture. Leftovers. <laughs> and the uncool kids. What's to say it's already been said. Leftovers. Leftovers. And the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture. Leftovers.